Well, it's that time again. Nintendo presents a new Direct, and Nintendo and video game fans alike have unrealistic expectations. Did Nintendo announce the Switch Pro? Did Breath of the Wild 2 Shadow Drop? Did Nintendo buy Xbox and Sony and then sell it back to them at double the price? Did Nintendo end world hunger? Did Nintendo achieve world peace? Did Nintendo sit with Marco and I to teach us how to say the name of that new Pokemon game? Yeah, it's uh, Pokemon Absorbency, I think it's what they said. We'll have answers to what we saw and react to everything coming up now. Stick around. So we are officially 20 episodes old, which um, I think, Pablo, that means we're only one episode away from being podcast legal. Is, hey. is, that, is that how this works? Absolutely. Okay, good, good. Well, nevertheless, this is another episode of the Young Yet Wise Beyond Our Years Cooldown Time Podcast, a show created by two longtime friends, longtime gamers, and longtime prima donnas. I'm your host, that's always stranding tall, Marco <laughs> Polo Bridges. And joining me is a man that spends his spare time beating down high school bullies at recess while also running a swanky cabaret in the pasty-ass streets of Camarocho. We got Pablo in the house, man. How you doing? Good, man. You know, you whip them into shape at recess, and then later in life, you whip them into a frenzy at the club. You know, okay. that's just that's, why- that's just the way. That's <laughs> okay. just I, I just follow the ABCs of, of, uh, of selling, which is always be choking. As, uh, <laughs> as, as well you should. I, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. <laughs> it's about three more jokes I have in the tuck, but I'm going to leave it alone. Um, All right. I'm so, in it. Uh, I meant it like you think I'm in it. I'm sure you did. I'm sure <laughs> okay. You did. I just, I, I, I just want to be clear. Listeners, I can't control them. I can't. Um, but we do have a great uh, show in store for all of you today. Uh, we have our loadouts, where we have a lot of um, really cool games to talk about this week for sure. We've got loadout news, where we're going to go over a, a pretty interesting uh, quote-unquote partnership uh, on the Microsoft side of the spectrum. We've got Booty Juice, which is, as always, our segment about the biggest blunders of the industry. And I've got one about video game reviews, so stay tuned for that. And uh, our Checkpoint Chat is, of course, going to talk about the Nintendo Direct and go over some of the highlights of the show, according to your boys. And then we are at the end of the cooldown countdown, Pablo. We are finally at number one, so we are going to reveal our number one favorite video games of all time. So there is lots to look forward to, so please stick around for the entire episode. We'd love you for it. Speaking of love, we'd love you even more if you subscribe to our podcast anywhere where you stream stuff. That could be Apple Podcasts. And if you you happen to follow us there, why don't you go ahead and leave a nice review about us? Speaking of reviews, okay? And make sure that one's not booty juice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can also uh, check us out on Spotify or wherever else you stream stuff. Anywhere you are, uh, we still appreciate your listening to us, so uh, it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, But it does matter that you follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram at Cooldown Time Podcast. We are finally over our first 100 followers. We're dying to get to 200, so uh, please go ahead and give us a follow if you don't mind. We're also on Twitter as well at uh, Cooldown Time Pod, so check us out there too for some more on-the-fly stuff if you want to keep up with us uh, in between episodes. Um, but with all that being said, Pablo, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into loadouts. And um, as always, man, I'm going to kick it off to you first. Talked about what you got going on on your list. It's been a busy weekend. Uh, I uh, was able to, once again, 
because uh, I was part of it previously, get back into the Halo Infinite uh, kind of uh, the tech preview that they have. Mm. And um, yeah, man, this game is still fucking fire, still firing all cylinders. <laughs> it is very obviously a better version it's a it's a more recent version of the of the game itself uh same maps so there's a familiarity there but you can tell uh how much this game has improved this time around it's timed meaning from 10 a.m to 2 p.m or i should say 1 p.m to 5 p.m and then nine o'clock to midnight is when you can actually jump in and play uh it's two weekends long this weekend and next weekend next weekend they're gonna do the big uh the big battles the uh big team battles yeah uh this this is just kind of the regular uh multiplayer and it is it's i mean listen there's not much to say if you're a halo fan uh, you're gonna really enjoy this. Uh, there's been some stuff on the internet, I, which is weird that people are talking about this in a negative way. In, in the in the sense, like it's just more Halo. Yeah, fucking right. It is. It's more Halo, and it's fantastic. I don't know what people expected. This is not. This is not a copy paste multiplayer. This is a next generation version of Halo, and it feels like Halo, but there's also a lot of little things there, uh, and, and and one of the things that I, I, I always like, it's the attention to detail, there's like this electricity charge ability you have, if there's a gun that's uh, that's a plasma gun, where it's a, it, it uses energy to shoot, if you, if it's on the ground laying down, if you, sh if you shoot electrical charge at it, that gun will fire. And so from the ground, so I've oh, seen people like okay. shoot, like shoot their that electrical charge at it, and then just shoot out yeah. that f to, and actually kill people. <laughs> it's little stuff like that that you can tell that whether or not that's always been in the game or this additional year has given them the ability to do these little things. That that's the kind of stuff that I I, I love to see. Um, when the last tech preview came out, there was a whole fruit controversy about. This is oh. why they don't pay. Uh, there's no attention. They're paying no attention to detail. Yeah, they do, and it's and it's little shit like that is is, is really just the the, the the smallest things. They're looking at everything. I am super excited for Halo. I don't know how the single player is gonna is going to shape out, but I can tell you right now, just based on the multiplayer aspect of it alone, this game is gonna be in my top five games of of, of the year, if not the game of the year. I know yeah. it's a little, you know. I, oh, he's already made up his mind. Yeah, maybe, fucker. I played this. I played the tech preview, man. <laughs> I gotta I, be a fucker. Yeah, because <laughs> they are, man. They're just fuckers. All right. uh, but well, I'm, that's good I'm, to hear, though. I'm glad. I'm, yeah. I'm glad. I, and like you said, I mean, I think it's good that it's 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 more Halo. And it, and look, I mean, that would be a valid argument if you were talking about like a Call of Duty that isn't moving the needle, the, the needle, the needle, uh, or the needle uh, every <laughs> the year. The needle, needle is uh, is what you call your penis, huh? Okay. See, it's a needle, see, but this it's a needle. Yeah, this is how friendships end. This is how they end. I, I say <laughs> or start episode. or start. It just depends. It depends what, you, what kind of person Not you that are. That kind of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I, I think you know, I, I think the the fact that it's been so long since we've had a, a full fledged Halo. I, I mean, I just think people are kind of being unreasonable with expectations, and it's typical Twitterverse and internet and Reddit uh, of, of people saying that kind of shit. But at the end of the day. Halo is going to always be Halo. It, it, it'll be modernized. It'll be kind of brought up to date, which is good. Um, and I think, you know, some of those quality of life add-ons are, are going to be awesome for this game, too. But in the end, it's still going to be Halo, and that's ultimately what you want this game to be. So, But, I mean, even with Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty is unapologetically Call of Duty. And Halo is, is Halo, you know? Yeah. Uniquely Halo. There, there are games that try to be Halo. Uh, and then there's Halo. And... Yep. Halo is not a game that comes out every year, and it's a game that 
it's been so many years between five uh, that I honestly feel that this does move the needle forward within the Halo Halo multiplayer franchise, right? It, it's a better version of of all these multiplayer games that came before it in the Halo verse, and it's just gonna be it's gonna be outright fun. If people who are not Halo fans thought that Halo Infinite was going to be the thing that changed them over, this it's not going to happen. If you're not a Call of Duty fan, you're not gonna like Call of Duty. And even taking that, if you're not a Grand Theft Auto fan, you're not gonna like Grand Theft Auto because Grand Theft yeah. Auto is Grand Theft Auto every time. Is it is it better? Is it newer? Is it moving the needle forward in the grand, in the open world? Yeah, it is. But it's still at its core the same game that it was when it you know came out all those years ago on PlayStation. Yeah, 2. That, that's a great point. I'm glad I yeah. thought of it um, <laughs> because you know because to your you know to your to your to your my point um, I think that a lot of people start to to get ahead of themselves when it comes to a long running series having a long awaited sequel and they hope yeah. that somehow some way the sequel become more like what they always wanted um, a, a game in the franchise to be but a lot of times it's un, it's unrealistic because what they want usually takes away the essence of that franchise and so Absolutely. a lot of those types of people out there just kind of have a lot of misplaced hope and they're the ones who are usually the vocal um, disappointed parties when the game yeah. comes out because no, oh, it's just the same, you know. And it's like, all right, well, you weren't exactly being realistic with your expectations in the first place. So, Period. Yeah. yeah. So it's not yeah. their fault that you're dumb. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else you got on your list, though? Yeah. So I've also uh, a game that I said I wasn't going to play. Nope. <laughs> uh, well, here we go. Kenner Bridge of Spirits. I mean, you know. Um, it, it, it's it's a new PlayStation exclusive game, and you know, uh, just inside information here, I shared an account with my brother, which I probably brought up in the show before. Yeah, you and did. so he's he's kind of been looking for a game to play. He's not that big of a he's a gamer. He has the systems. He's just not as big of a gamer. Yeah, as very. So he's been looking, yeah. been looking for yeah, been looking for something to play, and uh, so he heard about this game. He was all about it. So you know, he he was he's gonna he's gonna play it. So I had it there. I downloaded it. Problem is, is I got stuck on it for a little bit. Mm. I, I, it, the issue here is that I, I, I see all its warts. I see all the reasons why I probably shouldn't prioritize this game over any of them, and I'm not going to. But it's not terrible, you know. I, I, a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with how the game actually feels when you play it, moment to moment gameplay. The rot, which is basically little Pinkman little things that you see, the the way they use that in game, it was is shockingly surprising to me how fun it actually is and how. You know, pardon my, you know, how cute they are because it re they really are just kind of like, uh, this this little. It's a very Disney esque, and I hate the whole. This is like a Disney movie, but it really is. It takes its inspirations from that. The only, you know, a little. Uh, the problem is, and and I, and, I, and it is a problem because it is very much like a PlayStation Two game where every story and all these platformers was told through a very beautiful CG uh, uh, cutscene, right? This follows the same kind of pattern. The problem is, is we're in a weird space now where the actual gameplay itself almost looks better than the CG thing that they're trying to do. Yep. And, and the CG cutscene is very beautiful. And they're, it's very much them emulating the likes of Pixar, DreamWorks, for sure. But I feel that the art style they chose for the gameplay is so much more beautiful, so much more interesting. And there are small parts where you talk to characters in that in-game engine, and it looks fine. It's like, they could have just done it like this. But I think they were trying to go 
through a more cinematic thing. And I think that they have some kind of history with, with a- animation. So I get all that. The issue is you have a beautiful game running at 16 frames, and then you cut over to what I thought was 30. But Marco was telling me earlier, because movies are at 24 frames per second, that they try to cut it down to that, right? Yeah, to make it feel more cinematic, I guess. The issue, the problem is, is that game. There's a lot of movement in that game, so the, yep. you're moving at 60 frames. The battle system is really dope, and, and you're playing through this game at a 60 frame clip, and then you switch over to 24. There's this weird, sluggish look to it, and I'm not sensitive at all, as you guys know, for that kind of shit. And I noticed it, and it was like kind of like, Ugh. however, I will <laughs> say, by the time it was like five or six cutscenes in, it's 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 a bland story. But it is it is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful told story in the way that all the animation is is, is being uh, shown. So it's interesting. I I kind of want to keep playing it. But if it wasn't for the fact that we have Judgment, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, and then we have I have Tales of Arise still uh, that I'm playing. I and there's just no way I'm gonna prioritize this game over those games. But if you guys are looking for a game. Uh, to play with a platformer with a pretty decent, you know, albeit kind of bland story, mm-hmm. I-, I recommend it for a $40 price point. And if you're coming off of Psychonauts 2 and looking for, for some of the more uh, kind of platforming, this or is right ratchet. up there with... Or Ratchet. Or, or Ratchet, probably. right, or Ratchet. This is there with it. I, 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 I tell, you know, Marco... Uh, I recommend games to Marco as he recommends games to me, and I and I'm always kind of like I think Marco has a better hit rate with me in terms of recommending games for me as I have a, a, with him. Even though he's about to talk about a game that I've been talking about forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I I I do believe though if you can get over the the 24 frames, which I think you will because of how, how nice it does look. I think Kenna is a game that you'll enjoy because of all the little things it does. Um, I, I don't know. We'll, I, I don't know if you'll ever play it, but I think if you ever get to it that you'll you'll enjoy it. I mean, I think that I'm going to definitely check it out at some point, maybe next year, uh, if there yeah, is such fair. a thing as a dry spell next year oh, with all the releases, God. which I doubt. But if it ends up on Xbox or on Game Pass or something, I'm definitely going to try it out. I just think that for me, um, looking at it, I definitely see some of the charm and whimsical uh, side of it for sure. I just think that a lot of it, especially when you said the story um, being kind of just sort of boylerplate, um, yeah. is, is, is sort of what turns me off from the game because when it's the first game of a series you really hope that it's going to build some really good lore and give you some uh, awesome background so that you can become a fan uh, and, and see more of that game in the future and look forward to it as well so I mean obviously you haven't had a lot of time to play uh, you know the game of course so it's hard to say on your end but, yes um, but generally speaking it's been reviewed quite favorably and that's awesome and hopefully um, you know this is a really small team uh, of I think like 14 or 15 people so um, yeah. you know, hopefully they are able to turn this into a full-fledged series and and I think at the bottom line you know at, at the very least um, this is a pretty solid game. I mean, it looks great. It seems to perform pretty well and, and play very nicely. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I've seen worse from indie studios or smaller it's, teams. It's funny because when I think about this game and, and throughout the day, when I think about, oh, what am I going to play today? When I think about Kenna, I don't think about its story. I think about its gameplay. I think it is that good. I think mm. the, sto- the, the, the gameplay is that good. Yeah, the, the the double jump animations, a lot of can animations, but they're done so well that I'm not that I'm not too mad about it. I will say this, there there are certain aspects of it that just feel so last gen. So when you're when you're jumping from a platform to another platform, if if, if you are jumping 
if you just miss it, like if if like your knee is right above the platform, oh, it no. doesn't. You don't land. There's no animation. Like you know, in, in Tomb Raider, when you almost make it, you still land on it. You actually slide. You almost slide. It's ah. those little things like that are not good. But but again, I think that doesn't it doesn't happen so often to where it becomes uh, that much of a problem. But these little things are definitely there. Uh, and, 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 you know, these are the little things that, that would set a, a game apart from being a great game and a good game. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we, we talked about this, too. A lot of games coming out now seem to be doing really well, you know, in terms of reviews and people yeah. liking them. People seem to have figured this shit out. So, yeah. yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, congrats to them, though. I mean, I, I, I like seeing, you know, studios like this get off the ground and have a nice first step in in. in in their, um, you know, their, their hopefully a long-running uh, yeah. career as a company. So, and I, and I hope that Sony kind of takes note of them as well. You know, this would be a cool, you know, it, it, it would be an easy pickup to, to grab a studio like this and have yeah. a different, you know, type of platforming studio to alternate with, um, you know, with with the you know the Ratchet and Clank franchise. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting thing to keep I, an eye on. I'll say this to, to finish my my thoughts on it: if the game keeps doing what it's doing right now with the gameplay. It could end up in my top ten, you know, uh, Not because bad. it's I, I'm having I'm having I'm it's fun it's really fun to play. Um, I got one more game, but I think we'll save that uh, for last because I think we're, it's the same game you're playing. Yes. So if you want to go over yours a little bit, and then we'll we'll talk about that at the end there. Yeah, man. So um, my loadout game is Death Stranding Director's Cut. So let's go. Oh, yeah. I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun. Yeah, you did. Um, but no, I, I, I um, I'm really, really shocked by how my experience has been with this game because I, um, notoriously, at least in the eyes of Pablo, no, uh, am no fan of of Death Stranding and never really was. Um, pretty much from its media rollout to its release, I just never really latched onto the game, and I didn't think that um that it was all that great. Uh, to be honest, I, I I was definitely the this is a walking simulator uh, guy that was um, thoroughly against this effort, and I felt like it was almost um, kind of a, a bummer for Sony too to to you know help him and fund his studio and then get a game like this instead of something that was a little bit more um, bombastic like a Metal Gear or Blasphemy or, or something like you know a horror game that could have been really cool um, like like the PT thing he did. Yeah. So nevertheless, I just you know just kind of give you a little background on that. So you know I, I came to this one um, really with no expectations. It was just a matter of curiosity because the upgrade is ten bucks and I thought well that's not bad. So um, I picked it up on a whim and uh, and I'm all in. I, I don't know what happened. I, I well I, I kind of do and I kind of don't. I mean I have a little bit of a hot take that I'll 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 run past you at the end of this. Oh, yeah. But um, just to to kind of talk about the director's cut, I, I think that first and foremost. Um, the the higher resolution visuals and the in the stable sixty frames per second are really really special and I know that this sounds like a lot of standard things to say about these PS five upgrades or director's cuts right I mean you know we talked about uh, the Ghost of Tsushima uh, expansion and and that upgrade you know being very similar and I, I'd say this is right on par with that in terms of being among the best I think it's actually a, to me it's a little bit better um, uh-huh. so um, and I think part of that is is a couple of things so. They have this uh, this mode called ultra wide, which is pretty self-explanatory. It just kind of uh, you know condenses the the screen to a kind of twenty-one by nine, I think, format. 
Um, but in doing so, it actually pulls the camera back and expands the field of view, so you have a much more expansive view of the vista uh, off in the distance, and you get more in that space than you actually would with the full screen. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you pair the ultra-wide uh, along with the quality mode, which you can choose from quality or performance mode, if you choose quality mode with ultra-wide, you get 60 frames per second at the highest resolution possible, which is unbelievable it's the ideal way to play the game it's super cinematic it's buttery smooth and um, the highest fidelity and it just hits different it makes the whole game hit different in a way that I wasn't even expecting at all uh, so that first and foremost was a huge um, you know change for me getting into other things um, yes they have to feedback and adaptive triggers more so the triggers with this game because as you know you're kind of holding on and you know with both sides to kind of navigate through uh, the terrain that kind of feedback, uh, the environmental feedback as well, is is really helpful with kind of understanding and having a better uh, feel for you know kind of the rougher terrain that you're in and how um, how dangerous it's getting for you as you're traversing. So I thought that was handled really well. Um, but the 3D audio uh, for me, hands down, is um, my favorite thing about this. Um, you know, from a presentation standpoint. Um, it, it, well, maybe the ultra wide stuff is, but more up on that level because it's just so well done. I mean, it feels really, really immersive. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, people talking around you or just the sound of the environment uh, and its ambiance uh, really, really pops in a way that uh, it did not um, in the original game. So from an immersion standpoint, I mean, it's been, it's been incredible uh, so far. Um, I will say that <laughs> committing to the story is still a tall order um, yeah. because of how dense I think the exposition and lore building is in, the, in those opening hours. And it's also throwing a lot of new stuff at you in a, in a pretty steady stream with like the gameplay stuff, um, especially with like crafting and, you know, stuff you can kind of build and, and add to the world. Um, but I will say that story-wise, its mystique is still unmatched for me. I just There's just something that's enigmatic about the way the story is that keeps me engaged. And I think Kojima, despite needing some needing to restrain himself a little bit better, I think he's done a, a really good job of, of keeping that intrigue um, in this game, you know, in, in a way that I've really enjoyed this time around. Um, so I think overall, it makes a really strong case as far as being the best PS5 upgrade I'd seen yet. Um, and I'm all in. I think I'm going to go ahead and try to play through this entire thing because, I, I mean, it's it's now becoming the game that I think about when I'm not playing it, and that's a good yeah. sign, you know, and that yeah. doesn't happen too often. So my hot take, though, and I I, I want to kind of... Let me kind of land on this one for a second. I, I, I think that a fair point could be made that I think that Death Stranding would have been better off releasing this year originally instead of 2019 and I, I think the way the rationale behind that is because I think that this is a time right now where it's sort of a drought with next-gen games there's not as much coming out to look forward to next year is going to be an onslaught but this is a time where I think people are able to really digest games better um, and even to an extent, and I think even with, with Deathloop, not to throw that into this conversation too much, but I think some games get a little bit more clout at a time like this than they probably would in yeah. regular years of releases because there's not as much going on. So that, con that the content starvation, I think, plays a part of it too. 
if this game had come out now in the in the shape that it's in with the way that it runs on PS5 and if it had maybe a better um, pre-release rollout and maybe even a demo um, I wonder if this game would have been received better and maybe had better sales and uh, a better critical reception as opposed to when it originally came out. Because looking back, I don't really know what what it stood to gain by coming out in 2019 other than the fact that it was done. You know, like it just didn't feel like it had really, it, it didn't have its feet under itself yet in terms of properly explaining what the game was about. It was just these obscure fucking trailers every couple months and yeah. these these interviews where you're kind of piecing together what Kojima said in this interview with, with what he said in that interview. And I just think if they would have waited and been more methodical and did it now, I thought, you know, this would be a better time for it. So so I, I, I hear what you're saying, but here's why I don't specifically think that if it came out this year, it would be the game that you're playing right now. Because, because of what it was, it is what it is now. Because a lot of the complaints back in when it first came out in 2019 were, you know, there, it just wasn't so, it wasn't fun. It wasn't as easy to carry these packages from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff that they added in, in the director's cut is kind of circumventing that frustration with better tools to uh, make it easier for you to to deliver the said packages. So th- the thing that, I, that, that stands out about this, and I haven't played it, but from what everything I've seen, is that Kojima got, got to go back and dabble into a little bit back into this shit. And, and I feel that Kojima could stand from making a game, saying I'm done, and Sony not releasing it yet, and having him go back in and kind of fuck with it a little bit more. Because I think he... I think he he wants to do he wants to do everything at the same time. He has all these ideas that he just wants to implement them all, and it just never really pans out for him. Because I remember when he talked about uh, Metal Gear Solid Five and how he saw what Grand Theft Auto Five did and how he wanted he was really inspired by that. And you can see that with with what he did with Metal Gear Solid Five, all those open uh, open worlds and stuff like that. But it just it wasn't obviously Grand Theft Auto in any way. But no, I, I just feel like I, I just feel like. Kojima wanted to do something crazy, something absolutely bonkers, because he wanted to kind of shake off the Metal Gear Solid stink off of him a little bit, and just do something. It, this just seems like an amalgamation of every game he ever wanted to make into into one thing. Uh, I I enjoy it for it. I, I I love the story so much. I think it's fucking dumb. I think it's so <laughs> Kojima-esque, and I think as, as the game progresses, it, there, he does something that, it, there's a build-up to it. it. It's ridiculous, and then it gets more ridiculous, and then it's so ridiculous at a certain point, it just you just love it for it. And mm. that, that, at least that was my experience with it. But I'm glad that you're enjoying it, man. I, I, I'm, you know, for me, I experienced this game, and I had an experience with the game that I really, it really, for whatever reason, really, like, it, it it jived with me in a way that I, I I wasn't expecting, and it it became my favorite game of 2019 that year. So it was for me the best game of 2019. Yeah, and I remember you um, were almost positive you were gonna hate it. Yeah, <laughs> and oh, then all yeah, of a sudden you're sure. like, dude, this is pretty incredible, and it made me cry. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it did, it did, and it and, and it wasn't anything that Kojima put on paper. It was a it was a system that he put in place, 
and it, a thing that happened that really got me, and I'm like, what? And it, and it has nothing to do with the story. It wasn't anything about like, uh, I wasn't sad for Sam or his little baby. It was just uh, a thing that happened that was like just it was a, a naturally occurring thing with the, the mechanics. But I, I love it. Let me ask you a question. Um, are those are those uh, elements in the game? The on the multiplayer the online stuff where people leave hints yeah. and, and okay yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's in there so it, it's actually the best time to play it if you passed up on it because there's pr- probably more community yeah. involvement like it was when it first came out so yeah it, it, there's been tons of stuff scattered around to use and I'm much more into that now that I've kind of gotten my head around it more as yeah, opposed yeah, yeah. to the first time I'm like this is kind of corny like oh here's seventy two likes for putting a ladder there for me like. It, now I kind of understand some more about it, and I'm 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 letting myself just, you know, appreciate it for what it is, and and not you know get so caught up in oh this Are is, you, this is campy, you know. Have so. you played have Have you played a section? Uh, have you played the game and real and noticed that the the world you're in is building out more roads? Um, I don't know if I've been far enough along, even with my first playthrough, to really notice much of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I see people that leave ladders and ropes, and, and there, I see some bridges, um, but just the basic ones. I haven't yeah, seen anything you, insane, though. You could create a whole highway in I've that seen, game. Yeah, I've seen stuff on YouTube about that, but I've never so, run into that in the game. So it's In my first playthrough, I was actually uh, collecting stuff and actually trying to build out the roads. And so... I did this huge mission. It was a long mission that I did. And when I came back, half the damn map was already covered in roads. And so <laughs> it was just really dope because I was like, oh, shit. And people were building stuff and you can keep going to your locations. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just Little things like that really, really hit right. And I always wondered what that game would be like, how it would feel like years later after the community has obviously died down from it. Uh, but anyway, but I, I'm really, I really enjoy this game a lot. You I don't know if I want... it uh, makes me feel good. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> listen, listen to my voice. Listen yeah. To my voice. Oh, back to me. <laughs> the tides have turned, Charlie Murphy. Um, uh, but yeah. I, 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 I don't know if this game deserves a part two. I don't think I want a part two of this game. Yeah. I don't um, know. I don't know. I can go either way. I mean, yeah. I just think that I'd rather see Kojima do something else first, and yeah. then maybe come back to it again at some point, or or just leave the series with one of like. One of his, you know, second in commands types, and, and see what happens. Yeah, but, yeah. But, For them um, to, to come back later in development, and then just take and completely, yep. yeah, ruin it with with more ter- terrible character names. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, so Yeah, that's a that, that's a guy. Mama. That's a thing. Um, but yeah, I think that go. That's gonna wrap up. Uh, yeah, I think that wraps up all of our non Lost Judgment uh, loadouts. So why don't we go ahead and jump in and talk Lost Judgment, which um, was definitely one of uh, your most anticipated games um, in a while. So yeah, um, I, I think it's only right that I kick this off to you first, brother. So, uh, but I, I want to sort of kick it off with a question, that I, and I don't know if you'll be able to do this or not, but I, I think just for people who are kind of on the outside looking in, if you had to um, give this an elevator pitch, what would you do or what would you say to kind of sell someone on what Lost Judgment is if, if you only had an eleva- elevator pitch to do it? Uh, yeah, I think I, I, what I would call it is a... It's a hard boiled detective drama set in the streets 
of Japan mm-hmm. where people who like to masturbate ask for your help. <laughs> and that's our thoughts on Lost Judgment. <laughs> so moving no, on. I, it, it's a hard boiled detective drama. Uh, it's a hard boiled detective drama trying to. <sighs> Atta- uh, tackling social issues mm-hmm. in a way that only Japanese video game developers know how to do. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and and I asked you that elevator pitch question on purpose because I think that there's a lot of people who who kind of hover around the Yakuza games and now the Judgment games, and I think I feel like there's a lot of people that want to give it a try but just don't know if it's going to really connect with them, and yeah. I, I think. I actually think it's kind of a hard game to elevator pitch because it, it's so multifaceted when it comes to yeah. being, you know, serious and, and into social commentary one minute, completely goofy and weird the next, and and then and then kind of you know towing the line of, of both sometimes as well in in, in this weird kind of middle uh, point. And it, it's it makes the game very eclectic, but it, it does make it a little hard to describe. But um. But anyways, I, I want to kind of turn it over to you and, and kind of tell me what you're thinking about this game after you've been putting in some time. How, how many hours have you played at this, by the way? I think I'm at eight or nine hours in. Okay, okay. Yeah. So how so you feeling? So what I would say, to your point, is one of the th- if I were to recommend this game to somebody, one of the questions that I would ask is, do you like Japanese RPGs? Are you familiar with JRPGs? Because... Mm. This is that same amount of silliness and kind of weird tropey things that Japanese JRPGs do mm-hmm. in, in a different light. Obviously, because a lot there's a lot of social commentary that games like Tales from Arise won't have, but it does have that same feeling of really dumb and goofy kind of moments, and then kind of coupled with like really dramatic moments. Um, and, and and this is what this game, you know. It is part of the Yakuza series, but one of the, one of the things that this uh, Judgment One and, and, and Lost Judgment have done, and I think ha- have really been, I hate saying this, but brave, is that they really don't talk or bring anybody in from the Yakuza series. There's no there's no characters, real crossover like main characters or even main storylines that are coming over for you to be like, oh hey yeah that that's you know. They, they, it's definitely a game from the Yakuza series, but it's not really a game made for, like, the Yakuza super fan. Like, it's like, if you like Yakuza, you're going to like this. Well, you could because of certain aspects of the gameplay itself, but yeah. it, it's a whole different kind of vibe when it comes to the story in, mm-hmm. in, in the way that the story is told. Because this is very much a game about social commentary, about certain things. And, and what's weird is because it's not, it's not made by an American company. Right, so it's, I mean, the, the social commentary is a little different. You know, it's very specific to what's going on in Japan. Yeah. Uh, and whether that be Alzheimer's or uh, uh, high school bullying, this is where this kind, this is where part two kind of falls. Um, I am, I am, I am shocked as to how much better this game is from the first one. And I loved the first one. Like I absolutely loved it. But I am. I, I was taken aback, and I'm still kind of like reeling from just the opening hours and, and, and chapter four and five. How how the game just keeps getting better and better and better and better. The story keeps opening up. Uh, 
character moments uh, keep happening. They keep throwing these. They keep throwing fucking shit at you in terms of like um, systems and mm-hmm. mechanics, and, and that gets a little frustrating because like, oh, another fucking mechanic, another this, another that. It, but they're very good about you. Don't have to do this. Exactly. Like there's like there's yeah. a girlfriend mechanic. You can flirt and talk to people and, and end up with a girlfriend, but you don't have to do that. You know, there's a there's a skateboard thing that you can do. You don't have to do it. There's so many little things that you don't have to. Do. Now they will make you do the introductory level of a thing. Yeah, right. Just to see, and just to show just you to what it has to offer. Right. Yeah. And 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 that kind of you know, and that's when you see the Japanese shit in it because like. The one thing it made me do for this application about finding suspicious um, suspicious behavior is this guy wanting to be the next Panty King. Uh, oh, my God, looking dude. For, Every game like, has a Panty Bandit, dude. Yeah. It's like he wanted to be the next Panty uh, uh, King. I'm like, okay, you could have picked any fucking mission for me to have done to introduce me to this application, <laughs> but you picked the one where it's a Peeping Tom. Arachnid Man. Uh, Arachnid man, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's that's the that's that's the one, yeah. So it's little things like that uh, do uh, kind of pop in and out. But like you mentioned too, the weaving in and out of dead serious things and and and, and basically weaving out of fucking suicide and then being the advisor to a dance club. Yeah, being coming back to back, and you're like, um, okay, this is doesn't feel great but actually it does it works <laughs> i don't know right I, I for me it, it just it should be terrible but for whatever reason the way that they play the characters i, I think that's has that has to do with it too mm-hmm. the characters itself like yagami does have that kind of like all right like he he knows it's weird yeah like he but he kind of embraces it after a while he's like yeah all right, fuck yeah it. yeah did by the way aside did you do the dance club thing i just did the the first one that you have to do to progress you, the story, that where you actually dance? Yeah, the very first one. <laughs> it's uh, it is, so good. It's fascinating. It's so, it's <laughs> so dumb. You it's know, so dumb. But you know, I think that was one of my biggest concerns um, for the series because yeah. you know, it, sometimes when you don't play it and you're just kind of hearing about it when you're listening to reviews, the game sounds so fucking erratic that it's like, how yeah. can they make any of this work? But it all comes down to context, and when you play, especially the opening five, six hours of the game, you understand why you're doing some of the things you're doing. Does it take away from some of the weirdness and quirkiness? No, but um, but it, it makes more sense when you see it unfold in real time, as opposed to someone in a review saying, you spend the first six hours, seven hours in a high school running around, you're like, oh, that sounds kind of weird for this game. Yeah, that, that's you, bullshit. But yeah. when you see how it integrates into the... Um, you know the, the main mystery or, or, or you know conflict of the game, or maybe one of many. I don't know how 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 many of those there are in this game, but when you start to see how it unfolds, you're like, oh, I kind of know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it's just that you know it. This is a game that embraces the quirks of you know of itself more, so you're gonna see a little bit more of the weirdness happen in the midst of that. But it doesn't take away from the impact, and that's something that I was like I said, I was really worried about that um, coming into this. So. Well, the way the reviews were talked about it, like the way the reviews talked about the game, and oh, they talked we're about get into these reviews. Yeah, oh. and they talked about the opening hours of the game and how vague they were. I thought you were going to be a high school student, and yeah. you were going to be. Yeah, they they made it seem 
And it's not that at all. I mean, because that would have been bad. And it's not that at all. It, it's, it's, okay, it's not realistic, but it is definitely within the realm of plausibility in this game, you know, right. within this, this world. It's not like your Yagami, who, by the way, is played by a 47-year-old actor. Yeah, he's playing younger in the game, but he's still older. Mm-hmm. And everybody treats him as such. They call him an old man. Right. Like, they, they know... He doesn't belong there specifically, so I it all makes sense. I I I I'm, I was really disappointed by a lot of the reviews because even uh, reading those reviews, I'm like, oh man, so they're really gonna go here and do that, yeah. and they do, but they, it's not it's not in any way, shape, or form the way they made it out to be. Um, yeah, but I I, I love and, and one of the things that I want to say for me, they redeem uh, Kaito because in the first game he was fucking. Horrible, like he was just a bad character. And, <laughs> I didn't and, mind and, and him that much. I thought he was just but, kind of a the brute, you know. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Everybody was so layered and had so many things that, about them. And then this guy was just like, "Hey, I'm your muscle, basically," you know. And in this game, he's basically a lovable doofus. Yeah. Who, when you literally make fun of make fun of him to his face, he looks at you and he laughs it off. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it just little shit like that, little personality traits like that that really make him feel like real almost oh, like, in that world. I yeah. totally agree. I think this is this has been a surprisingly pleasant reunion with this very likable cast because in a lot yeah. of ways that it's it's a really really interesting type of cast because some of it reminds me actually of Metal Gear in a way. They've got their Otacon. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, they've got that, that person <laughs> right. kind of pulling the strings there. They've got, um, you know, a younger kid, like a Raiden type, who's capable but still still a little green and kind of finding his way, right? I mean, you know, Kaito is probably the exception to that analogy, but, you know, he's he is that lovable oaf kind of guy who yeah. embraces himself. And, you know, you, you always feel good when he's with you on something. You know, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he accomplishes that. And, you know, Yagami is kind of uh, almost like a snake in a sense, but more yeah. but more loose, obviously. But he's the old vet. He's the, the you know, that guy uh, that did this. You know, he's that legend yeah. that, you know, whatever. So I think that, that that type of dynamic really makes this cast click really, really well. Yeah. Um, they bounce off of each other really nicely. A lot of reviews also said that this was a very stoic kind of game narratively and that they didn't have a lot of personality, especially Yagami. I totally disagree with that. He what has... He has a certain aspect of, of he's he's chill. He's just a chill yeah. ass dude. And so yeah. he knows when he he has these moments where he's very determined and he's yeah. like he's really, you know, hell bent on solving something. And he knows when to pull back and kinda of loosen up and, and, and be more casual. So he he's has that undeniab- diversity. Yeah. Know? He's undeniably the straight man. Yeah, in, in, in the game, and that's okay because you need that love. You need that kind of seriousness because it wouldn't work if you're Kaito playing as Kaito, and then you got you got to get to these moments where they're really serious moments. Uh, but so Yagami offers the ability to be funny mm-hmm. in his own way, uh, but also be serious. Uh, but it just it it, it really works on yeah. all of. I think out of anything, this is really this really works. I, what what I like also about the story is how it's opening up. But it isn't really, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but it isn't really like, oh, you're a detective. And it's like, oh, twist, twist, twist. You're fighting all of this. It really is opening up in a very slow but natural progression 
where you you really are invested in the story, but also you want to know what these characters are up to at the same time. So they 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 do a really good job with kind of giving you a, a lot of the character and then a little bit of the story, the main story, and then slowly transitioning to the to the meat and potatoes of the story itself. I They're totally really building agree. something really really uh, really good with the characters. I I I love this game. Yeah. It, if it keeps going the way it's going, it might be my game of the year because it is so fucking good. Yeah, I mean, it's really crept up on me in a way I wasn't expecting because I didn't like the first game. Um, I thought yeah. the first game was kind of pedestrian to me, um, and I, I thought they could do a lot more. Um, but it almost feels like now that, like, you know, Yagami's big, you know, issue with, uh, you know, th- that that one case from back then that got resolved, and, yeah. you know, now that that's kind of lifted off his shoulders, he feels more charismatic and loose, and I feel like... This takes more of a different shape with how the story is constructed because it feels more like you know Yagami's next adventure more than Yagami battling his demons. So it, it comes right. across more, uh, I don't want to say fun, but it comes across more um, easygoing in a sense too. I mean, the, the stakes are high and there's a lot going on, but it doesn't feel as like serious uh, for him as it did last time. So it actually makes the story feel uh, like it has the opportunity to stretch its legs and be... Um, more welcoming, if that makes any yeah. sense. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, it, you know, kind of talking. Oh, do you want to jump in? What, what do you got? Is it, yeah, the first story is very personal to him. Yeah, uh, it was very direct about why Yagami is who Yagami is, what happened, and how, how certain choices he made uh, directly affect him, and why he wants to make this better. Yeah. This is not that. No, this is now that we know this. This is a story within the within the world of this. Uh, a detective that is going to solve this, and, and like you said, the things he's done, he's kind of legendary in that sense. So, right. I and and honestly, even if eventually it becomes like that again, mm-hmm. it becomes a very personal story. The fact that it didn't start off that way, and it could yeah. ma- eventually maybe get that way, which I have not seen in my playthrough yet in terms of that. But if it eventually ends up being that way, that's okay because it's building to it. It didn't really. Yeah, that's fine. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't. It's not the end all be all from the from the from the onset of the game itself. That's because, the key. Yeah, because I didn't know if yeah, I cared about these people yet. To, to yeah, dump that on me exactly. so quick, like okay, relax. Let me at least like get yeah. to know these people first before you hit me with like. All this right. this melodrama, you know. And what and what hurts the first game a little bit is that that's all front for uh, uh, forward in the game. It's all in the front, right? Right. And then when you get to the end of the game, everything that happens at the end, you already resolve Yagami's issue. Now Pretty you're much. just kind of fighting the the, the 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 final boss because this is a video game, and that that then loses a little bit of more um, kind of like the impact. Yeah, uh, I agree. That. So yeah, yeah, this game building maybe if it builds to that that I mean I, I am. I am so into this game. I love it so much. <laughs> now, I, I do have a few other, you know, notes. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the things that I was a little disappointed at is is the fact that um, even though Kamurocho and Ajincho both benefit from having higher resolutions, they still struggle with being a bit redundant, um, and yeah. they have the usual shortcomings that you you kind of expect. Um, they really haven't opened that those those two cities up any more than they were last time you saw them. Um, which is not the end of the world, but it's it, it is a factor too because you hope to see more stuff you can go because they're so big on you interacting and playing all these side games and side missions and stuff. 
I just wish there were more places you can go into and, and actually explore um, as well. I do think... Um, I agree. I think in terms of performance, I think it runs really well, um, but it does look a little outdated. It looks like it's kind of just uprising a lot of assets. And um, I think the lack of HDR is, is, is starting to become a little annoying for me with this, oh, with this game too, yeah. because it, you know the city is like, it's bright lights, it's neon, it's you know everything's so bright, especially at night. It, it's beautiful. But without HDR, it doesn't really have that pop, which I think would be um, a huge benefit if they can get that in I, next time. But I think it's time. I think we. I mean, that's time. But I, think we, I. I question a little bit the engine, the game engine, because it's creaky. I. I will say <laughs> this. I. There's nothing remarkable. Remarkable about the game visually. Not at really. All. No. And and the the cutscenes are cool and. You know there are certain things that look cool, but that's just animation more than the actual uh, visual fidelity. Uh, look, this is this is a game that it, it, it's, it's coming out this year or in the middle of now you know next generation consoles, and it doesn't take advantage at all. I mean you no. know not really. You know I know that I, I played most of uh, Like a Dragon on next uh, previous gen system, mm-hmm. and then when it finally got you know ported over, or no no I played it. As is on the PS5. Oh yeah. Before yeah, yeah, it got yeah. the yeah, yeah. Before it got the upgrade, uh, and then it got the upgrade, and I, I could tell you, I just I couldn't really see much of an upgrade. You know, not too different. Not it was really. a little sharper, yeah. but it was, it was the yeah. same. Uh, it, it's not, that, I think that's, that's what's happening good. here too. Yeah, it, I think I yeah. think they're gonna have to you know invest in in kind of bringing this this game's look up to speed. You know, regardless of whether there's a Lost Judgment three or. Or whatever, because there's still Yakuza, and you still have to do you yeah. know, something for that too. So I'm willing, I'm willing to give the not a pass, but kind of like because it was these games, Like a Dragon and Judgment Two were simultaneously. Developed, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was like you know, the, it was last year. You understand? Game, yeah, they're gonna, game. you're gonna, yeah, they're yeah. gonna borrow some assets for sure. Um, so we'll see though, because that's another thing that's a little bummed out that this game is so fucking good. Is everything happening with the actor who plays Yagami? Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, the. Uh, Sega has said that they're not releasing Judgment 2 on PC now. So I would rather them not release it on PC. I'm sorry, but yeah. fuck y'all. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I want more of this. So you're going to have to just yeah, go yeah. get a console. Fuck you. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I, I think to, to close it out, um, this is just out of curiosity. This is more of a fun question. But between yeah. Yagami and Ichiban, who is your favorite protagonist? Ichiban. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, Ichib- look, I... I, I'm never going to forget the moment in Like a Dragon when Ichiban is supposed to be this Yakuza motherfucker uh-huh. and he's laughing his ass off with the little fucking glasses on for New Year and his uh, oh yeah his uh, <laughs> boss tells him hey you're you're uh, uh, Yakuza don't show their teeth when they laugh unless they're with other Yakuza mm-hmm. that little moment just showed me everything that I needed to know about Ichiban and then seeing Ichiban. Go, being in prison for so long and then coming out and still kind of being that kid mm-hmm. in a 40 year old's body uh, and then just him see every time a heartbreak happens and everything like something story it hits him so hard because he doesn't yeah. expect somebody to hurt him so much oh I mean listen I love Yagami but Ichiban is is a is the is my favorite character in Yakuza probably ever now because mm. of how of how how spicy deep, now wait a second but how deep uh, how deep he is and and how how much personality he has but how he's still able to embody the yakuza kind of you know person when he needs to yeah. be but he isn't that self-serious 
I am a serious kind of person always, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. And I hope that doesn't change going forward, but I, I, I think he's deep. As a character, right. and I think it's the deepest character they've ever written. It's the best character ever written. Yeah, it's not even close. Yeah, it's Ichiban. I, th- yeah. I, I, I would agree. I, I wasn't expecting yeah. you to say that at all. I thought we were gonna yeah. have a little debate there, but no, I, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think Yagami is great in his own way for what, yeah, for what he needs to be for that's, judgment. But I think if you're right. taking that's them right. two and you're just putting them side by side, I am much more compelled to see Ichiban be Ichiban 100%. than Yagami be Yagami. Always. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, man. Well, that yeah. was actually a good chat about that. So, um, yeah. let's uh, let's shift gears. Let's talk loadout news, Pablo. Why don't you talk about what is going on with Perfect Dark, Marco? I'm concerned. You're concerned, okay? I'm concerned because just to kind of break it out, Crystal Dynamic Dynamics is helping the initiative develop Perfect Dark. Uh, it's news that the initiative uh, Twitter account shared. Uh, Almost like, hey guys, rejoice! <laughs> Crystal Dynamics is helping us develop Perfect Dark, and it's like, first off, I'm not rejoicing. Second, I, I don't want Crystal Dynamics on this shit. Not, uh, but Ooh. let me let me kind of okay, we'll get there. We'll get break, there. We'll get there. Yeah. Let me kind of break down a little bit of of a of a timeline, okay? And why I think this smells like trouble. Microsoft stated that the initiative will be their quadruple A studio. Quadruple. Quadruple A studio. Between not triple A, not not one A, Mm-mm. not double <laughs> not one, A. Not two. Not, not triple A, but... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Quadruple A studio. He, they made the... They did the decision uh, on IGN <laughs> and said not one, not two, not three, but four quadruple A studios. And the studio was uh, f- founded in 2018. Now... The idea, we're, we're led to believe that they're working on their next quadruple A game. February 2020 comes out. The designer director claimed that their game was now in a playable state. Mm-hmm. And Phil Spencer his, himself says he got hands on and actually played the game and was impressed by the game and has said that reveal will be coming soon, apparently, for what he played. Later that year, December 2020, the Game Awards <laughs> come around. Perfect Dark is shown. It is revealed. Yay. Everybody's like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously confirming that development is on its way. Cut to this week where this quadruple A studio quadruple. has enlisted the likes of Crystal Dynamics, the people who've made um, Avengers. And, huh? and Tomb Raider, right? <laughs> Yeah, but 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 most recently, Avengers and Tomb Raider. Sure, okay, cool. I, I and, and that and that that's good. In all fairness, that's yeah. good because yeah, that's good. But here here's the reason why I think it's it, it's an issue. It's after he says that, he says we couldn't pass up the opportunity to oh, work with those dynamics. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about because that because this game is what they say in early develop early develop. Excuse me. It's twenty twenty. It's twenty twenty one. The game was the studio was fun but, in twenty eighteen. Uh, uh, but but Uncle Phil played it. Uncle Phil, he played it. He was right there. How early? How early are you in development that if from 2018 to 2020 a game is in a playable state? Yes, believable. Two years. That makes sense. Now you're telling me in 2021. Excuse me, sir. That what? Excuse me, sir. That sir. It's an early. De- are, so are you confirming that you've scrapped the game that you guys were the quadruple A game you guys were working on? Because I mean, he played it. Phil Spencer played it. Now. The argument could be said is like, oh, Phil Spencer played a demo. No, no, no. Phil Spencer actually played it said they were going to reveal this game that he played soon. 
which they did, which is perfect dark. Now they're starting over? No, they're not starting over. Early development? How are you in early development, but Phil Spencer played your game a year before that, and you guys have been working on it from from all the information gathered since 2018? Here's the thing. In my opinion, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Not a they clue. enlisted the studio who made Tomb Raider... For a few reasons, I believe. One, because Tomb Raider is fucking fantastic. And two, they already have a relationship with Phil because Phil Spencer and Microsoft paid them for the first Tomb Raider or the second Tomb Raider. Was it the first Tomb Raider? Uh, I thought it was the, the first, second Tomb Raider. First, no, I thought it was the first one, but... it was No, it was the second one. Okay, you might be right. Or maybe it's the first one. Who cares? One of them. To be, yeah, to be an Xbox exclusive for a whole year, right? Um, so th- th- that relationship is there. So I, I, I fail to see how this is a good thing. I fail to see how this isn't something that we should be worried about. Uh, and I fail to see the fact that there is just no way that you got a game that's playable in 2020, you announce it in 2020, and then a year later, you got to get a whole at, not like, <laughs> hey, we got, we got a developer, we got this developer who's really good. No, we got a whole last development Damn. team to come into and they act like. Uh, uh, by, by the way, by the way, real quick, there's uh, I, there's a venue by my house who has fireworks going off. So for, I'm not getting shot at. It ain't a war. I'm not in Iraq. It's just it's shit's happening out here. I mean, you're talking shit. So I mean, they, they might be popping off at you. But here's the thing. Though. Here's the thing. Listen, if the, they they are going off out there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's yeah. the thing. It the question is: Is this a partnership or a rescue? And to me, it is one thousand percent. A rescue, because to your point, well, first of all, this is unprecedented. (laughs) You know, we see studios helping studios out. There's support studios that exist that will pitch in and provide, you know, certain, um, you know, certain grunt work for larger studios to get them over the hump. That stuff is normal. Um, You even see cases where even with like Halo Infinite, the coalition pitched in and helped out and provided some, you know, some extra hands on deck to kind of get them to the finish line. And, you know, it's first party helping first party. You get that. But Microsoft went completely the fuck out of their family and went and grabbed Crystal Dynamics. And and, and all I'm sitting back thinking is, huh? Because here's the thing. Like, you talked about it earlier. They were dubbed the quadruple A studio. But did you know the initiative only has around 100 people in total? That's it. That's it. So when you have that in mind, you think about the fact that Microsoft assembled the initiative and then they decided that Perfect Dark is going to be the game they're going to work on as their first big project. You would think somebody in their ranks would say, hmm, what about resources? Right? What? what what about headcount? Do we have enough people? Do we have the right manpower to, to get the job done with a hundred people? All this time, up to your up to what you said, like all these years, it was playable, oh, it's coming along fine. Phil's playing it, Phil's loving it. And you would think, okay, it's working out, I guess. And then somebody decided to to, to look again and go, hmm, only a hundred people. Hmm. How are we going to do this? You know, so I understand in principle that the initiative would need help with a project like this. I understand it. But at the same time, this should have been identified and addressed way before today, way before today. 
Um, so I think that's one part of it. And as far as the the narrative of this was concerned, I think that the fact that it was a Twitter press release type of thing, and I think the fact that they they downplayed it to me, it just stunk they, of damage. Not only control. downplayed it. Not only downplayed it, but try to make it seem like it's a good thing. Like, feed us like, whoa, yeah, congratulations, like, gamers. You couldn't pass up the chance to collaborate. Literally, you couldn't. You needed help. You had <laughs> nobody. You had you have a skeleton crew. Now, look, I understand. Maybe, maybe because of COVID, it's a little hard to probably recruit in the ways that you'd want to recruit. You can't really purge as well as you used to. It, maybe people just kind of want to stay where they're at. I, I don't know. But again, this is not a recent problem. This is a studio that you knew was very, very small, um, quadruple A or not. So you knew you didn't have enough resources for this. So I, I think that this, this, I'm not falling for this. The game is troubled. And if you're Microsoft, so. I'm sorry to harp on this again, but this is another potential example of Microsoft's first party instability. You are announcing games that you do not have in, in a good state. You did this with Halo. You're doing this now with Perfect Dark. You did it with Everwild. And, and, and I mentioned a few others in an, another episode ago. I don't remember when it was. But you, uh, you're seeing this stuff what's happen. What's the old Remedy? Crossfire. Yeah, right. Crossfire for a while. You know, And even that, it doesn't look you know the greatest now that it resurfaced. It's just there, there's too much of this going on from Microsoft. Right, and this is not a problem that you see happening in other places. Yes, you do see other companies like Nintendo and, and Sony, you know, outsourcing. Like I said, you know, using other studios to help get them over certain milestones, um, you know. But you don't see it this gratuitously, and so I'm not falling for this partnership. It's it's you know, uh, two juggernauts coming together because, to your point, Crystal Dynamics is not exactly the cream of the crop. I'm sorry, not right now. Like, not okay, right now, if, anyway. if it all depends on what they're using this this studio for. If you're trying to figure out how to get Joanna Dark up to speed with modern times and kind of bring it up to a point where it feels, um, you know, more current, you can maybe kind of look at what they did with Laura Croft and say, okay, maybe they can kind of give us some insight. But this is way more than insight. This is we need help developing this game. So it's not just from a standpoint of, oh, let's make Joanna Dark uh, the 2021 version really click with with gamers. There's, I think it's more than that. There's just there's just too many ex- examples within the within like the whole kind of Microsoft first party studios in terms of, of troubled uh, development. I mean, you got the stuff with Platinum with oh, Scalebound, you know, yeah, yeah, going yeah. For, further back. Um, and, and then you got studios like Sony who announce games four, five years before they're ready. But guess what? They're ready when they're ready. They're ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, like I, I, they, I, they develop. They they they're delivered and they're like, oh, this could be my favorite game of all time. Type of game. You know? Yeah. You know. And people. Were, you got. I saw people on Twitter talking out. about like, um, you know, oh well, Wolverine doesn't come out until 2024 or something. And I, it, I bet you when that bitch comes out, it's gonna be incredible. And I bet you they didn't need Crystal Dynamics to do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, so it's just like, come on, man. And look, you guys know I'm an Xbox guy. Oh, I like, am too. I, I love foremost. Xbox. It's where I play most but of my th- games. But at the end of the day, we gotta be, we gotta there's be too many. There's too many examples. I mean, you could even think about. Um, I just said the, the 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 name of the game. Oh, Scalebound. Like Twenty seconds. No, the other one. Uh, Everwild. Oh my god. 
No, never mind. I, I just blanked out. It's another. <laughs> it's part three of a game that just came out. Uh, I just had it in my head. I always do this every episode. Uh, I explain the game to you, and I explain to you in the most Vegas game film. It's charades. a video game. Yeah, it, it's got it's the a characters video game. in it. You know. It got the characters. Uh, Crackdown 3. That's what I like. Crackdown oh, 3. Another, yeah. another troubled-ass oh. development. Uh, and that game comes out, and it came out, and it was like basically a wet fart. Ugh. And... It, it was, was it was so bad, and they 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 can't afford to keep doing this, man. Like they they have to understand that this stuff is out there for people now. People see this. There's there's new stories. You can't tuck this shit away like you could ten years ago. You know, like you know what I think it is. What is my hot take? I think it's, I think it's that they got too much money. So Sony got Sony okay. got money for sure, but they don't got Microsoft money. So when they put money into a game. They got Shuhei going out there and like watching them like a fucking hawk. They're out he, they're watching that game development and they're v- keeping that shit really close to the chest. When Microsoft has a, a company doing their games, they're like do your thing and we'll go check cuz I mean Scalebound Platinum was and this is just rumor, but Platinum was taking all the money that Microsoft was getting him for Scalebound and making other yeah. shit with it. <laughs> And so, so it took them, it took them a really a long time. Microsoft took Microsoft a little long time to realize that was happening, and they were like, you know what, fuck you guys, we're canceling the game. Um, I, you know, I've heard I heard a story about Shuhei Yoshida, who was like the the first party guy, right, with Sony, went to to, to Santa Monica Studios to watch uh, to play um, God of War, and told them outright, like a year before the game came out, this game is shit. This game is absolute trash. Fix your fucking game. And they did. Mm-hmm. They f- imagine if Shuhei Yoshida wouldn't have came out and gave him that information. And by the way, Corey Barlog is on record saying that he was so close to the game, everything Shuhei told him was right, but he was so close to the game that he didn't even realize the complaints that Shuhei had. So imagine if this was a Microsoft game and they didn't have a Shuhei Yoshida or they didn't have somebody going out there all the time. That game where Yoshida said it was trash would have came out as trash. We are Maybe. on the same page, bro. Because that what I was yeah. going to say to to almost to piggyback off of that. You know how like when all these acquisitions happen and Microsoft always says, "Oh, you know, we're going to let these guys run full, full autonomy. You can do your thing yeah. however you want to do it." That sounds great on paper, but it, it's getting to a point now where there needs to be some type of policing to say, "Yo, yeah, this ain't working." What, what you guys are doing is not worth... Okay, you guys can't make this game. You guys aren't good enough to make that game. You guys don't deserve perfect... It, it, even with Bethesda, like I, I, I want them to be more in control of what these studios are doing. Not to the point where I only... Like the Sony Extreme, where I want them to only make blockbuster games and stuff like that. Like, But, but right. to just sort of manage and moderate what is going on better because these games are not ready to be shown. You are teasing games, you're showing trailers on games, and you don't even have fucking a, a gameplay direction yet for Everwild, and you're, but but look how pretty it is. You can't keep doing this stuff to people, man. Not not at a time when you're trying to assert your dominance and, and take back first place in, in this console war, if you if we're going there. You just can't keep doing that stuff. So, you know, I, I don't want to belabor the, you know, uh, the point. It, it, I, I'm just, so I'm just going to say this. It's not a good sign. I'm not looking, no. I'm, I'm, I'm less excited about Perfect Dark than I was before this news. I'm not, oh, Crystal Dynamics and this. It's like, oh my God, it's like a superpower. It's, it's not. It's, nope. it's not a good sign. I'm not as excited. Um, I'm very cautious and I don't think we're going to see this for a while. Yeah, and if it comes out and it's good, I that's great. That that's fine. Yeah, I'm sure Crystal Dynamics had a hand in that and to an extent. But at the end of the day, uh, you can't tell me 
that this studio isn't in trouble. And whether that's or whether that's it's in trouble because it doesn't have enough people. Okay, fine. Or whether the vision is not coming together. All right, it's still there's a, there's a problem here. Yeah. And, and, and I hope that they and I hope they fix it. I hope you know. I want Microsoft obviously to have the best games that they possibly can have in terms of first party games. Yeah. So. All right, man. Well, that was a good that was a good chat about that one. That was good. Um, but now it is time to continue talking uh, talking trash with uh, with our booty juice segment. Booty juice. Um, <laughs> so uh, what I want to get into, Pablo, is um, the astonishing lack of quality, reliability, and buyer education in modern day video game reviews. Let's set the table. The goal of a review, the objective of a review, is to provide in-depth information to help players make educated decisions about potential video game purchases. However, media outlets and also influencers, be it YouTube, Twitch, or wherever, now lack the experience, the credentials, and honestly just the basic wherewithal to provide truly informative and educational reviews that cover all the bases the way that they're supposed to. And I think I think the biggest reason for this is because I think gaming media is a very different beast than what it was 20 to 25 years ago because of the internet and social media um, and obviously the birth of YouTube and Twitch and other places where people can create their own platforms, which is awesome, but it what that does is it takes away the need to be qualified for the job. In the past, you had to be a great writer. You had to prove industry expertise, gaming expertise. You had to be knowledgeable about the genre of the game that you were playing, the franchise. And you have to prove that you have the ability to be properly analytical about a video game. And now we're in an era where, like I said, the, the shackles are off. Anyone can create a platform, and even with established outlets like IGN and GameSpot and other places, these types of people who lack the proper qualifications can slip through the cracks and become video game reviewers. And that is becoming a huge, huge detriment to the core objective of reviews, which is to help people make educated decisions about potential purchases. So. I think the problem is that we are now at a point where reviews have devolved to being uh, one of two things. They're either just this plain general overview of what the game is with a score at the end, (laughs) or it's an account of someone's specific personal experience with the game. And that's not what reviews are supposed to be. Now. Reviews can only be so objective, right? There are some things that, yes, you can say, okay, this game has a bad frame rate because it doesn't stay at 30 frames or 60 frames. Th- those things are objective. There's obviously personal takes that, that play a part in it as well, but what you want to always strive for is to be as objective as possible because it's not about you as the reviewer. I've read too many reviews where you see I, me, my, all throughout these inter- uh, th- these reviews because they just want to talk about how they feel. It's not a, it, and they read more like opinion pieces than they do actual reviews. And so what that's causing is you just don't know who to trust. We talked earlier about Lost Judgment and there were certain people that left reviews about that game that are not fans of Yakuza, 
do not know much about that the ebb and flow and structure of these types of games. You have people that reviewed Deathloop that just talked about how much they personally loved it, despite all of its shortcomings, which there are quite a few. And so you see people sweeping issues under the rug in order to give it the score they want to give it because they didn't have a problem with certain things that are happening in the game. It has bad AI. You can't play stealth as well as you used to in, in Dishonored. Um, you know, there's, there's menu bugs. There's whatever. But there's literally reviews out there giving these glowing scores and completely skipping those types of things entirely. So again, you're not educating players. You're not giving players enough information to say, okay, what is this game doing well? What is it doing wrong? What is it achieving? What is it failing at? You're just saying, well, I personally had this, this amazing experience. And, and so I, it's really made me appreciate the ACGs of the world. And we've talked about this offline because even though I don't always agree with his takeaways about certain games for sure, um, but he always has a format. He's got, you know, graphics, gameplay, sound, music, voice. He, you, you can almost recite it with him as he's going through a review. And, and I think that what that format establishes is a, an ironclad system to make sure that every facet of that game is analyzed, critiqued, and relayed to the player. Instead of these reviews that are out there that would rather just talk about how fun the death loop mechanic is than talk about some of the technical aspects of the game that might fall short. His format allows for all of those bases to be covered. And you can take whatever you want from that information and say, okay, I don't care as much about sound, music, and voice, but it's good to know that it's good. I care more about its performance. And now ACG's review said that it's this way and it's that way. Okay, cool. And now I feel like I can make a better choice on what I want to do. A lot of these reviews out there now, dude, are like, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but especially on YouTube reviews, it's all just, they're just saying a bunch of nothing. It's all this, yeah. this game sets you off on an epic adventure to explore the breathtaking world with characters that feel like family. What are you... Okay, there, there's lots of there's lots of items to talk to and people to collect. And uh, excuse me, sir, <laughs> collecting, collecting people. <laughs> this game just it's a this game just you know it, it it moved me in a way where it just left me wanting more. Uh, well, uh, how's the like what what's the graphics look like? What's the frame rate like? Oh, there there's yeah. there's lots of textures to collect and frame rates to explore. <laughs> and I just love to explore and explore the. Motherfucker, if I if I hear one more of you say the word explore, I'm gonna die. I just I I I hate or those reviews that just say a bunch of nothing. It, it, this game is just it just makes it just hits me in a way where it just yeah, but the frame rate runs like asshole. It just it's still a ten out of ten for me because I just want to explore a, the characters that feel like they're family to me. Like it's a love letter to that oh, one the game I once letter. played. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, or when they compare, like, like Kenna, like the reviews that were like, oh, the Breath of the Wild. I saw Breath of the Wild for the PS5. Kenna, I want to. I want to. It's so. It's just so <laughs> ignorant to do that because you could tell they don't know how to explain it in their own words. So let me just point a game out that you guys do know that has this this little minor little thing that that this this has a bow and arrow too. It's just like Breath like, of the Wild because you could explore with a bow and arrow and catch all the frame The one rates. I saw, <laughs> the one, <laughs> the one I saw was like, oh yeah, he was like, they said that this game is like uh, the Breath of the Wild for a PS5, and he starts playing it, and he's like, oh yeah, the 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 art style is very similar. No, it's not. It's not. It's not similar at all. 
Yeah, it's 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 not too much. It's just it's Look, just too much of that. It's too much. I I think that there's a place for opinion based reviews. hundred percent. I think if you want to talk about how this game made you feel, and 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 especially when it comes to games like The Last of Us, that's all good and dandy. And and, and I and I really appreciate those kind of reviews because people who know how to write they really shine through those reviews. But if you're gonna talk about that aspect of the game, because that is just one aspect of the game. I would also want you to talk about every other facet of the game, specifically how it how it kind of plays and how the the, the game actually uh, runs through the system. Because that's very that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna be doing for most of it. It's a video game, and so I need these things. I need to know whether the game is actually running well enough to me to not that piss me off that I'm running I'm playing a beautifully told story at 15 frames per second. <laughs> you, like. It, it, I have to know these things. And look, if you don't want to do that, if that's not something you want to do, fine. But I don't know if you should call it a review because you also get to say in the algorithm and the uh, with the open critic and the Metacritic, and you got somebody giving this game a ten, which that happens all the time. You got open critic, oh and you my go to God. These, uh, places I never seen. It, ten exactly. out of ten. Exactly. It's like, like oh, DragonAssFire.com yeah. said this game's a one hundred out of one hundred. I'm like, oh, f- fuck, do I care? Like, it, it, it you and you read the review and it's like. Typos is like, oh, oh, English is not this guy's first thing. It's like, yeah, Yeah. so that's why, you know, it's important to not worship the Metacritic ratings. Like, it's, 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 it's nice to see a consensus about a game that does, like, make you feel kind of like, oh, this has some promise to it. But when it's, when it's all kind of sounding a little too similar to, like, there's, like, there's an echo chamber effect as well with a lot of reviewers, too, where they all kind of start parakeeting and saying the same shit. Like, even with Kenna, again, it's like, how many times do I need to hear somebody say, oh, it's like a PS2 game uh, for PS5? Like, guys, you just, it, 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 and it might be, but fucking yeah. hell, can you formulate your own opinion about a game? Like, it, so I just think that it's now is more uh, important time as any to really start digging in and doing different kind of research about games before you commit to a purchase. Don't just trust a high Metacritic average or open critic average because a lot of times it's coming from outlets that are not very reputable, not very well known, and that you really don't care about other than how they contribute to an average. So it's not worth looking into. Yeah, and also putting your entire whether I'm going to buy a game or not on somebody else's, someone else's experience doesn't really work because it is, in fact, their experience. Yeah. Like, you know, if Marco would have listened, if you would have listened to all those reviews you saw about Lost Judgment specifically because of their experience, you know, it, it just, you wouldn't have played it. And and, and the problem with, 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 with that is there are a lot of reviewers who don't have hubris where it's like, my experience is the review. How I feel is the end-all be-all of this review, right. which honestly, it's it's so based on who you are as a person, things you've done in life, work, and in, in life, and how you react to certain things, how certain things hit you, and, and emotionally, you know, all that shit. Everybody's different in that way, and to and, and to kind of just pin your review on that specific me, 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 me aspect, it's a little weird because honestly, when you look at IGN and when you look at other of these, uh, yeah, they're, they're criticized as the Walmart of video games. They're they're pretty, they usually are pretty good about kind of pointing out all the shit, and they get a lot of shit for it as well. But it is what it is at the this end of the day. You, know, you can't really just makes me want to explore this lush world of of amazing sights and sounds, and and it just makes me want to explore myself and. Like, oh my god. <laughs> 10 out of 10. What? So are you talking about Tetris? 
<laughs> yeah, it'd be, so, it'd be yeah. something obscure like that. Yeah. Who wrote this, Justin? Made me just want to explore all the blocks uh, as they were falling down. Of, of my life. Oh my god. Yeah. So, booty juices uh, reviews, ooh. guys. Just, just do more research. If you're, if you're a gamer, don't, don't make reviews the end all be all anymore. Um, find the outlets that that have the type of review format that you trust, and not just the type of yep. opinions that you trust. Uh, and you'll get a lot more out of them than you will. Um, I mean, the other way around. You want to get all the information that you possibly can. If you if you come out of review feeling, oh man, this John really felt a certain way about this game, but you have no idea about how the game plays. Exactly. I mean, that's probably not a good way to 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 kind of you know take that review as your as your whether or not you're going to buy a game or not. Truth facts. All right, man. Yeah. Well, I think we are about ready to jump into the checkpoint chat, and we are going to be talking about the uh, Nintendo Direct. So. Brother, we had uh, an impromptu uh, Nintendo Direct uh, hit us on the 23rd. Um, it's so cool. It was so dope. Um, <laughs> um, so as usual, it was a very Nintendo Nintendo Direct, to say the least. So because of that, um, no, we are not going to go through every item that they uh, went through in their Direct. Some stuff, uh, a good portion of it was just not noteworthy enough. <laughs> talk about it all so i'm sure i'm sure that this direct spoke to some person out there so like this is like their shit and that person i don't want to be i don't want to be their friend i don't want to yeah i don't want to be different yeah and i want you to listen to the show either if that's you too um <laughs> <laughs> i said it now he lying um, he lied, he lied. So uh, let, let's go ahead and dig in, man. We're going to kind of go through, um, you know, the games that we, uh, you know, had some some thoughts about, um, positive or negative. So we're just going to kind of run through these and, and, and talk through them. And, and let's start with the game that we actually talked yeah. about in the last episode. We, uh, we got news that Disco Elysium, the final cut, is coming to the Nintendo Switch in October. Um, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, I, I, the reason I wanted to talk about this because I want to remind everybody about Disco Elysium: The Final Cut, which is a fantastic fucking game, and then I kind of wanted to give kind of like a PSA out there: Don't play this on the Switch. Don't do it. No. Don't do it. No. Don't do it. Play it on PlayStation. Wait for it to come out on Xbox, which is eventually will come out on Xbox. Just, just wait. Um, now, I, I, this I will game is, say if they do like a point and click, but with the touch, like the touch screen, that could yeah. be our like, kind of cool in, in, in a way you know but i think i i think i think yeah i think if you want to kind of on the go uh disco easy but i don't know if that's a game you want to play on the go in spurts it's not really a game you play in spurts no um ultimately i just uh, what really uh, i'm glad this game is getting a little love outside of the playstation 4 ecosystem because obviously i want this game to be everybody's purview and, and, and everybody to, to play this game um but you know if, if you can help it don't play it on the switch no yeah i'll get it on PC or PS5 if, if you have to. Yeah. Um, moving on, we got uh, Chocobo GB. So um, Square was like, Jesus. I like Mario Kart. I want to do that too. And so they did their kart racer. Um, and yeah, it's a thing. It's coming uh, next year. It's a Switch exclusive. Um, I why well, I don't I don't understand. Know. I mean I. You're never going to get a piece of the Mario Kart pie. I'm sorry. I don't care how long Mario Kart 8 has been out. <laughs> Stop. Relax. Unless you're yeah. unless you're Crash or Diddy Kong. You, and even then, you're not, that Crash, you're not getting it. Crash Team Racing came out two years ago. 
and I liked it. It's a harder version of the Mario Kart. It's a little more hardcore yeah. in that sense. And it was fun. I actually enjoyed it quite quite a bit of it. Uh, it's not touching. It's not licking the boots of a Mario Kart. And this Chocobo Kart Racer is ridiculous. <laughs> it's re- it's ridiculous. I don't even understand. When this shit hit, I was like, is this an expansion to Mario Kart? Or what the fuck is happening? Uh, is this a an expansion to Final Fantasy 15? Is this like a side? Like it is. Listen, man. Square no. Enix is just. And look like shit. Too. They're just on a weird fucking bender right now. Between this and, and killing chaos and in, in, in the other Final yeah. Fantasy Origin game, I don't know what's going on with them, man. They they just. Seem I know what it off. is. They're just. I want to make the thing that everybody's making money off of, and I want to do yeah, that. Yeah, I think they're just making. We want to get profitable, so let's do this. It, it, it's man, nobody wants to play this bullshit. I'm nobody. sorry. Um, moving on. And if you do, I don't want to be your friend, uh, and I don't want you to listen to the show. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and don't hit the like button, uh, even though we don't have one. Um, Smash Brothers Ultimate. So we get a direct to tell us that another direct is going to happen um, about the last fighter. Uh, it's going to be revealed on October 5th by uh, our homeboy Sakurai. Pablo, let's just let, so, let's just go there. Let's just go there. But before we go there, uh, a very specific thing was said. This is they said this is the last fighter that will be revealed to you by Mister Sakurai. Mm-hmm. Why would you say it like that? Why not say this is the last fighter for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate? I think because there's a rumor out there that in this direct they're going to show six more new characters coming for Ultimate. That it's going to be a path of six morning characters, but Sakurai is not going to be directly involved. Uh, probably because he's going to go work on the next Smash Brothers, probably. Maybe. But yeah, I, 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 it just feels like a really weird uh, verbiage. The verbiage yeah. used was was very weird. Like this is the last, uh, you know, the last direct that's going to be, you know, by Mister. Like, okay, why, why not just say this is the last character coming to Smash? Because I don't think it is. There was a rumor. Uh, and a leak supposedly that there's going to be six more characters coming after this one, and so you know, hey, we'll see. I'm mad, but we'll um, but let let let's go ahead and humor our listeners, and and let's do this, Pablo. I want you to tell me your dream Smash Brothers edition, who you hope it's going to be, versus yeah. who you think it's going to end up being. If you had to choose, so hope uh, versus reality, who, who, what would you pick? I, it's, a, it's a tough one for me because I want to say what everybody's saying. Mm-hmm. Master Chief. Okay, that's the hope. Uh, what do you think the, the sobering reality will be? <laughs> Fire Emblem. <laughs> I, I think it'll be something that's closer to their um, to kind of like the games they have coming. Um, so... Hmm. It, like or not even coming, but more like within their franchise. Like I would not be surprised if it's it is another Fire Emblem character, or maybe I don't know. Maybe I, it's hard to say because I, I another one that it could be is Crash Bandicoot, but I, I feel like maybe that's kind of that trains left the station a little bit. Mm. I don't know what I don't think there's any character left that I need. Um, but it's probably, I, I think it's probably going to be disappointing. Maybe, maybe like Eddie Goro or Guerrero from Tekken, like another <laughs> I thought you said Eddie Guerrero from the WWE. No, Eddie Goro, <laughs> Eddie Goro ridiculous. from, uh, 
Um, Eddie Goro from uh, from Tekken or another Tekken character. I don't know. I okay. it's hard for you. Kind of put me on the spot a little bit, but I kind of want it to be Master Chief, and it's probably going to be some fucking dumb ass character okay. from yeah. I think um, my hope is that it is also Master Chief. My my thinking is that it might be a Star Wars character. I think it might be Darth Vader. I think Ugh. I think they're going to go kind of big ish with this last one, but. I think it's gonna probably be like Vader, and he's he's got his lightsaber, and that's gonna open up a, a whole new dimension for you know to kind of capturing uh, that IP and the celebration of this medium. Yeah. Um, I think they're gonna do something like that and have some of the like spirits be some like Star Wars characters. I think I think there might be some kind of thing like that. If I had to to, to have a hunch about it, I, I would have liked for it to be Joanna Dark, but no one knows what she's gonna look like because. Crystal Dynamics La- is not uh, going to be helping develop Smash Brothers anytime soon. So maybe, uh, maybe Laura Croft. That's a possibility. I wouldn't be mad at that. It would kind of work too. But yeah, yeah. So um, you know, we'll see. Okay, you know who I think it is? No, I just thought about this. I I wanted to be I wanted to be um, Master Chief. I think, and this is not going to be disappointing. I think they've been fucking around way too long and kind of just just. Pulling people's like War Luigi. Hmm, that would be that would be an interesting one. Yeah, because War Luigi is is a thing that everybody's talked about forever, like as almost like a joke character, but not yeah. really, and just never got to. It, it's not in Smash Bros., which is weird to begin with. Uh, so I don't know. It, it could be that, um, or maybe another character from another fighting game, like. Sub Zero or Scorpion or something. Mortal Kombat would be like interesting. That. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But um, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of not as interested in the next people that get announced for Smash anyway. I think I'm kind of you know settling down from that. Uh, and I've never been as big of a fan of the, of the series as you have, so it doesn't do as much for me per se. Um, but I'll be keeping an eye on it. Honestly, for me, and I never really give a fuck as to who it is. I just have to look at the in-depth skill set that they have. Oh, uh, okay. And if and if they line up with kind of my play style, then I get excited. Okay. But it could be Master Chief, and if he's like, and if it's like a Ganondorf, where it's like a very brute strength, that's not my kind of play style. So I'm like, all right, cool, not for me. Yeah. You know, uh, which is probably what it would end up being anyway. Uh, Waluigi would be a lot more suited for me in that sense, where I f- he'll be a lot more technical in a lot of ways and use a lot of like um, probably play a lot like Luigi, uh, which is a very fun character to play. In the game as well, so I, 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 I um, maybe it's gonna be Sam Porter Bridges, and you see him walking. That's all he's gonna do, just walk past the screen, <laughs> <laughs> hauling a Mario on his back or something weird. Um, That'd be hilarious. Yeah. All right, yeah, man. So that that's where I stand. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on. We got Kirby in the Forgotten Land debut trailer announced. Um, I, I know a lot of Kirby fans are kind of hyped about this. Uh, actually, uh, I, I'm not a big Kirby guy at all. I never really got into him too much, except for like the Game Boy games back in the day. But I know this is a pretty big shift because it's going into it's going away from side scrolling stuff and into more like 3d um yeah how are you feeling about this is this a, like hitting you at all or, or no yeah oh yeah 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 okay I, I i played a lot of the kirby games even recently uh the last one that came out i think what two years ago i didn't play that one mm. um but i i those the games are fun they're very it's weird because they're very concentrated on combat uh weirdly enough uh so I like that this is going like Mario Odyssey for, for Kirby type. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that I saw in the trailer, and I kind of seen the trailer a few times because I kind of trying to 
get a vibe for it. And it looks really fucking good. Like, it looks like it's going to use a lot of Kirby's abilities to uh, kind of... Uh, explore and, and get through the world itself with the the, the environmental puzzles yeah. and whatnot through certain things I, I, i'm into it i'm really kind of looking forward to what this game um ends up being but i i'm i'm i'm, I'm excited I, I have to say yeah i mean I, I think that kirby's look and feel has always been kind of interesting like they always had like a, a unique style of their own like the yarn kind of look from you yeah. know, a couple games ago and stuff like that um i was kind of hoping this would be more of like a semi-open world type of thing I thought that would yeah. have been kind of dope instead of just linear it might levels. Be. Um, but because some of those, some of the things that that I saw in the trailer made me kind of think about it. Because I saw stuff in the in like the the distance, distance. I'm like, that looks yeah. like why would that be there? Why why can't maybe it's a little open think, and people can get there? I don't know. But um, I think it is. But I think it's a lot more like Odyssey, where there were certain levels in Odyssey that were very linear, and then mm. certain levels in Odyssey that were very open. Mm. So I think that I think they're gonna follow that that. Um, they're gonna follow that those footsteps because even calling it in the Forgotten Land, which is you know like Mario Land, you know, uh, yeah Mario Land, all those games. It, there's there's that name naming convention that that kind of shows me that this is in the elk of those mm. kind of yeah, that makes open sense. world 3D land games. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I am. Yeah. I I'm not saying that's gonna be my most anticipated game of 2022, but it's it's definitely a game that when it comes out. I'll, I'll give it a chance. Yeah, it sounds sure. like it's going to be out in spring of next year. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll keep an eye on it. But it's like I said, it's not really doing much for me. Um, yeah. Up next, randomly, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic coming to Switch um, November 11th. Um, I guess I, kind of off the coattails of the remake. Um, we get a little of this. I feel that this is, I, I feel like this is just kind of, the again, Nintendo does a lot of shit where they, like, they keep things in their back pocket. And with, because uh, Aspire did this as well. This is uh, developed by Aspire. This, uh, mm-hmm. this um, was it not remake, but it, it's just a I port, guess. basically. Yeah, the port. So uh, Aspire did it. So I am, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, yes, I don't know what to I, say. I think that I think that spreading the Kotor love around is is always a good thing, and we're a ways off from getting the remake. So yeah, why not? You know, put it out there, I, get I people just, to play it. It's it, and for switch the switch audience, it is something interesting to go just, and do if you want to do it. But I'm just super shocked that it's wasn't already on Switch because I have this motherfucker on my iPad. I I got Kotor on I my iPad. I played the entire thing on my iPhone. Uh, I, that's yeah. how much I love this fucking game. So <laughs> yeah, so it, it, you know, I, at this point, I think I'm I'm obviously not going to play it. I just kind of want to. I just kind of want to wait for the remake. I I uh, might buy it. I mean, you could play it. On, you could just play it on Xbox. I mean, I know, but I might get weak. <laughs> <laughs> knowing 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 Nintendo to be like sixty bucks. <laughs> yes, because that's what they. This do. game better be like no more than fourteen ninety nine, or else that's just nah. Fuck insane. that. This gotta be a, this gotta be ten dollars max. High and on sale. And on sale for seventy two cents. <laughs> yeah, with those Fuck bullshit throwaway games, it's always on sale. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> all right, man. Uh, this one is—it's just annoying. But Dying Light Two: Stay Human is announced, but the cloud version. Yeah, um, I mean, come on. This game can't run on a Switch. No. And, and if it can't run on a Switch, it can't run on a Switch. Let's get these cloud version shits out of my fucking face. They always run like ass. I tried the control one back when that came out and I'm like this is horrible this is like terrible yeah. input lag there's no this is not a feasible way to play this game I'm sorry 
at the very least, they were upfront about it. Because remember when they talked about the game coming to the Switch? Uh, what's that game called? The Guardians of the Galaxy game. Mm-hmm. They didn't say it was a. It didn't say it was a cloud version. Uh, maybe a little small print. Yeah. At least it was upfront. Like, just stop. Yeah. Look, just stop. I, I kind of want to talk because I'm so sick of these cloud versions because they're they're so bad and it's like it's just junk. You're kind of short shift. Yeah, short shifting. Uh, uh, the 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 fucking. Uh, Switch fans who only have uh, think they could play. Oh yeah, I'm gonna play Dying Light Two. No, you're not. <laughs> How no, all sir. Switch fans sound, of course. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, the five year olds that have a Switch too. Yeah, yeah. wow, yeah, yeah, I do. That's just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, moving on. I, I don't have anything to say about this. I mean, especially now that it's delayed. Like, I don't fucking care that yeah. it's coming out on cloud. Um, Triangle Strategy uh, coming out March fourth. Of next yeah. year, uh, some new gameplay shown. Um, they took a lot of feedback apparently from the survey, um, <laughs> and they said, "Fuck it, we're doing whatever we want to do." <laughs> I was going to say, it's like <laughs> and, and we took your feedback and we made this a little bit different. It, it, like the things that they said, they how, improved how were different? like, like <laughs> really pedestrian stuff. So it was like, okay, I mean, now here's the thing: it does kind of look. Good. I, I, I can't lie. I, I, it looks good. But so did so did Octopath Traveler. Yeah. Well, I hated Octopath Traveler. I hated yeah. all the Octos. Um, man, this. Uh, now look. Uh, part of this is that I'm still on the Fire Emblem Three Houses high of like maybe this will appeal to me too. It's probably not. Um, but hey, I'm curious to see how it'll do. I'll just say that. I look so. It looks so good. It looks really good. But I just have to say, it does look I so I just good. have this feeling the story is going to be the most generic bullshit of all time. So I, I don't have a lot of faith in it. I just, I could see myself at some point playing it. Maybe. Depending. We'll see. But um, it does look yeah. pretty good, at least visually. And, and it shows off really nicely in a direct, for sure. So I, I will give it that. Um, yeah. Metroid Dread, I mean, I don't know if this, this really needed anything else to, to keep the hype levels hype. Nintendo's death loop. Yeah, it, it is. It's starting to be a little <laughs> loopy. Uh, yeah. Another trailer. I mean, this game looks so good to me. I, I'm so excited about this, man. Can I tell you what I, can I tell you about that trailer that I saw and I'm like, what the fuck? What? I thought it was Samus Aran. She what said Sa- Samus she said Samus Aran. Yeah. I thought it was Aran. No, no. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's Samus Aran. I thought it was Samus... I, I heard everybody talk... Because I, I watched people react to it, and, and they said the same thing. It's like, oh, I thought it was Aran. I don't know it was Aaron. I, thought, I was like, are they doing the whole thing where Samus a Aaron? Like, what's... <laughs> this bitch on Yeah, Samus is yeah. going to be uh, starring in this game. Samus Aaron? <laughs> then if she don't, she's going to go to uh, Principal's O'Shack Kennedy's <laughs> office. <laughs> Uh, Metroid Dree A A D. Yeah, I, I think this still looks fantastic. I think uh, yeah. I have a really good feeling about this game, um, living up to the uh, the legacy of the series. It, it, at least I'm really hoping that it will, because you don't bring a game like this back to life after announcing it umpteen years ago, uh, just for it to be this pedestrian, run of the mill, you know, Metroidvania Metroid game. Um, because look, Metroidvanias have come a long way since Metroid was last around. So 
this Hollow Knight now, which I wish we would have saw in this uh, this thing. There's Axiom Verge two that came out. There's 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 a lot of shit that's been out over the years that has done a lot to evolve the Metroidvania formula. So I would hate to see Dread come out and just sort of be, hey, we're back and we're Metroid and that's it, um, kind of a game. So I'm a little, I'm just as a fan, I'm always going to be a little nervous about that stuff. Uh, anytime a game comes back that I love. Uh, but I still have a really good feeling about it. And, and it seems like they're really confident this is going to be a hit. So that makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah. It feels um, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I definitely, yeah. It looks good. Um, I, I just, I'm still going to wait uh, to see what you kind of Yeah, say I think about you should it. wait. Yeah, just hold off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you going to wait on this? I, wait, wait, what you got? Yeah. I was going to say, I think that uh, we'll talk about it later because there's just something I want to say at the end of it about the last game here. Okay, well, you so. ruined my segue for nothing, so fuck you. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of fucking, um, Nintendo wants to fuck huh? you over with a new... <laughs> not that kind. They want to fuck you over with a new tier of their Nintendo Switch Online. Um, and I, I'm, I'll pay it! I'm, I'm kind, of, <laughs> I'm kind of like... Yeah, I was going to say, I'm kind of going to consider it. But here's the thing. Uh, new plan announced that has uh, now included N64 classics as well as some Sega Genesis games too, uh, which was a little unexpected to say the least. Uh, it also comes with a four-player online for certain games, and of course, you know Nintendo's got to pack in some controllers to go along with it, uh, one of which is the infamous uh, boomerang tri-spearhead-looking N64 controller of uh, of yonder. So, Pablo, talk to me about how you're feeling about this. What 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 was going through your mind when this got announced? And are you really gonna jump in and do this? Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, what are you talking about? Yeah, you know, uh, I get to play Ocarina of Time again. You know, that's that's uh, thick enough for for that's kind of what I'm looking forward to uh, right now at this point. I. I, I I got the Super Nintendo controller. I'm gonna get. I want to get the N64 one. Um, I this is just kind of the, this is my shit. I mean, I love SNES games, but I think growing into my video game fandom and, and and kind of really cementing myself as a lifelong video game fan, it all started with the Nintendo 64. It all really started there. And regardless of of the seemingly a little bit of a, of a week uh, of uh, lineup to, to launching lineup I, I still want to play Star Fox 64 I, I definitely want to play uh, Ocarina of Time I'm, I'm, I'm looking you forward play, to this uh, I mean, want to play Winback yeah actually I could, you, ever, you ever play Winback yeah I play Winback I ain't gonna lie Winback is kind of dope <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird inclusion it's, it's definitely it's, not it's a game that I'm gonna yeah. yeah it's super weird but Winback is pretty dope uh, but I I, I want you know, I want the future. I want to see 1080 snowboarding. I want to see, you know, I want to see all these other, you know, we're going to see Banjo-Kazooie later down the line. We're going to see Majora's Mask uh, as well. This is, this is, these are my, these are my games. These are the games that I kind of want to, you know, delve into. And so I, 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 I think it's shitty that they're doing a new, okay, I don't think it's shitty because it's 20, okay, let me, let me, let me kind of, it's $20 a year as it stands. That's super cheap. Like, that's like. Yeah, but what are you getting? Right, 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 right. Now, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get more games, uh, the promise of more Nintendo sixty four games, 
I, I'm in there for that, man, because I'm going to be playing these games. I will be playing these games uh, for sure. Uh, and, and I would be willing to pay a little bit more if it's if the, if this is what it takes. Now, if they're if they're trying to charge me like fifty, sixty a year for this shit, I, I think it's gonna be twenty five bucks a year. I think that's what they're, they're gonna up at five dollars across the board in terms of like throughout the year. I think that's what's gonna be. Um, okay. I they, they I just don't see with no kind of improvements to the infrastructure when it comes to online gaming. None of that. You're not. I don't. I don't. I mean, what are you gonna? What are you charging me for? You're up charging me because of the Nintendo 64 stuff. I know you are because you know that the majority of your fans, uh, in, to an extent, really with Ocarina of Time and those like those se- those seminal games are are on the system. Uh, I think you're, you're 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 taking advantage a little bit, but at the same time, the fact that it is twenty dollars and if it goes up to twenty five, I think that's doable. I think that's fine. I don't think there's anything horrible about that. Uh, but anything over that, I think, is egregious, and I can't believe I'm going to pay it. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I'm I'm going to be honest. All jokes aside, I'm not sure I'm actually going to do this because Nintendo really hasn't proven with this whole virtual console shit that they are going to deliver a steady stream of new games to play. And if they do... You can't always trust that the crop of games they're going to deliver on are going to be worthwhile. Now, it's nice that they said, yeah, in the future, you'll get games like Majora's Mask, but there's no other games like Majora's Mask. Those are the two big Zelda games on your console, so yeah. what else, you know? And so, it's the what else. Jeff Force Gemini. It's, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah. the thing is, is I just don't trust their ability to keep following through on that, and that's going to be the key for me. I want to wait and see what their cadence is with those releases first. So let me ask you this. Because of how these games have been remastered and upgraded to play on the DS and play on other systems, would you be willing to be a little be okay with the fact that it isn't the original Nintendo 64 Ocarina of Time, but it's the DS version that's a little upscaled, or if it's not, if later on it's um, if it's uh, Jeff Force Gemini, it's not the Jeff Force Gemini that came on 64, but the one that came on the rare collection mm. that has the widescreen option. Like if it's those uh, upresed games uh, that came out on 64, if it if it's those games, would that be a little better? No, I don't think so. I actually don't know if I'd want that. I, I would want uh, a, oh, a more I, pure I, N64 experience. I don't. I don't I don't, that that controls that control was so bad. Hey, uh, look, and and it was such a <laughs> and it was such a weird in between spot with the cartridge and stuff that um, every version of the game that I've played on, like for example, every version that I played of of an N sixty four game on the Rare Collection is the superior version, and it isn't like this is cool because it's be- no no it is this is the way it should have been when Jeff Force Gemini came out the, the, the control scheme of Jeff Force Gemini is fucking comedy yeah uh, and, and the and the Mar- and the and the Zelda Ocarina of Time stuff it is better because of just a little bit more uh, up-res and it'll look a little better on especially on a system like this the, the Switch which isn't a powerhouse system but it would be able to showcase a little bit what the DS uh, you know, the 3DS did with that version of the game which is not it doesn't look like a remastered game, it just it's cleaner. It's it's just cleaner around sure. the Sure, it's all really. It is. I think yeah. I think it's going to come down to nostalgia for people. You know, they want to play what they remembered, and not necessarily yeah. what's maybe not always what's better, um, but but what what they can remember about their childhood or whatever. 
Um, so I think it's going to so be you tricky. Could do the whole thing where you could switch back and forth. That would be nice. Or like you'll have both versions. I could, yeah. I could definitely co-sign something like that for sure. But yeah, I, yeah they have both versions of the game. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely cool that they announced this. You know, it's just that I just want to see what their cadence is with how they're releasing games, what they're going to release, uh, and how it's going to play. Uh, you know, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. But um, yeah, but, uh, interesting development for sure. Um, moving mm-hmm. on, uh, Delta Rune uh, Chapter Two was was uh, was revealed. Um, Pablo, this wasn't on my docket to, to really say much about. I, I don't really follow this at all. I don't have any interest in this game. Um, any thoughts on your side about this one? Yeah, I, I thought it was. Uh, I, I just kind of want to talk about it a little bit uh, because um, I like Undertale. Um, did you ever play Undertale? Hated it. Did I you hated really? It. I hated it. I, I'm not a big fan of those games that go so old school that it it's almost kind of like. Well, that's kind of that's kind of why I liked it because it went so old school, and then when you kind of play the game itself, it's kind of like, oh, this is it is like but it's completely. Not. Yeah, I I, well, I, get I mean, it, but not for me. Well, like, for me, it was it was the whole experience was you you literally could have played that game like a regular like um, what was it like a. Uh, like a rom like a rom hack rpg where it was like this little but if you pick the right kind of uh choices you don't have to ever fight in the game ever like you don't it it, it just becomes this whole different kind of vibe of a game yeah it's a lot of earthbound comparisons uh for sure i think it's more of the look of the game more than anything probably but i just think i just think they're very it's a very interestingly really well written game that when you start getting into the nuts and bolts of it it's super it's like pretty dope, and Delta Rune is, is just follows that uh, in that same way. Uh, I'm very interested in what two and three are going to be, because uh, I know he said that three and four are going to come out together. Uh, Toby Fox did. I, I, I'm just interested to see where this goes, because I think uh, for me, Undertale is such a, a unique game. It, it, it's weird that it has sequels to an extent; they're more like spiritual sequels. I'm just interested to see what exactly, and I don't know whether or not you ever played the, the games themselves, so. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, Well, they had a sizzle trailer of a couple different games, and one of them was uh, Shin Megami Tensei V. Uh, and they announced, in, in that moment, that pre-orders uh, were starting same day, which is which is kind of exciting. Um, Pablo, I cannot stress this enough. Do not buy this game. Uh, not because it will not be great, but this is not for you. Um, <laughs> this is probably going to be a very, very difficult and very long, very grindy JRPG. And I don't think there's any way on planet Terra that you're going to stick to this shit. So um, I, I thoroughly suggest avoiding it. Um, I am on the fence about it. Can't wait to buy yeah, it. <laughs> no, you're still going to do it. Um, <laughs> I am really, really excited about this game because of, you know, just the Atlas JRPG formula. Um, I I really think they are masters at at this, and I'm really excited uh, that we're not just getting, you know, uh, the the Persona um, machine that they could have done after 5. You know, they have spinoffs, yes, and they did a Royale version, yes, but, uh, or Royal, um, but I like the fact that they're not they're Battle not Royale. abandoning these types of, of things either. And I really think this game is going to surprise a lot of JRPG purists, um, even people that that are familiar with the series, because I, I I just think there's something special underneath all this. It, it's 
it's hard to pinpoint why and how, but there's just something about this game that just it's hitting me in a way where I'm like, this is going to be something special. Um, I, I don't think it's going to sell well at all. <laughs> I just don't think so. Um, it is already kind of getting tucked away in like in sizzle trailers, which is really unfortunate. Um, but I think it's going to be pretty great, and so I'm definitely going to buy it. I have I have one more JRPG left in the tank for this year, and it's either going to be this or it's going to be Tales of Arise. So I'm going to wait and see what my trustworthy review sites and sources have to say about this game when it comes out, and I'll make a decision then. But otherwise, man, everything about this game is just Marco as fuck. So I'm yeah. in. Um, Mario movie. Pablo, um, film buff, film, film buff. Uh, how how are you feeling about this uh, this uh, ensemble cast? It's is this is an April Fool's joke in uh, September. <laughs> this is like okay. This is like if I took Twitter and I would gonna be like, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and assign the worst possible fucking uh, actors to play a specific like Chris Pratt as Mario. Perfect, hilarious. Because exactly that would never what happen. I wanted. Yeah, dude, this is ridiculous. Like even uh, even when Chris Pratt was announced, they go, "He's so cool." That's what they said. It's like they're trying to sell him to sell him to us. No, I, I, I look. Let I think we should go over the cast. Yeah. Okay, so Chris Pratt uh, is going to be playing Mario. You have Charlie Day from Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame playing Luigi, which. When you look at Chris Pratt, Charlie Day doesn't look like that bad of casting. Uh, you got uh, Anya Taylor Joy uh, playing Peach. Sure. Uh, you got Jack Black as Bowser. Sure. Coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen as <laughs> as Donkey Kong. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Keegan Michael K as Toad. All right. There was a video. There's a video on YouTube where that whole A Aaron yeah. sketch is done with Toad's <laughs> voice. Toad Where's Toe Ed? No, it was oh. Toad's voice. So it's like it was like. E <laughs> Wait, excuse me, one more time. <laughs> no, I'm okay. good. That hurt my throat right, so okay, much. Um, and then um, after that, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. Naturally. Yeah, Kevin Michael Richardson as uh, Kamek, and then uh, the only Italian on the entire <laughs> cast, uh, comedian uh, Sebastian Menescalco playing Spike. Uh, look, I. What the fuck? What do you mean, man? What is Dream, this? Dreams really can come true. Dreams really can because he's so cool. Listen, I think that so I think cool. this has got Sonic or no, no Detective Pikachu written all over it. Um, this this is what uh, this hey, feels like to me. I like that movie. It might it but, might be a good movie, but, but but this movie isn't this movie isn't live action. It's animated. That's what I'm saying. Like, what are they trying to do yeah. here? Like. It, it it almost feels like they wanted to go in that in that kind of style of oh you know it's not just going to be Pikachu yelling Pikachu it's it's going to be an actual person talking. It, I don't get. Oh, I, I I don't want to hear Mario sound like Chris Pratt. Like I I, I okay Peach I've heard, we heard Peach talk many times. She reads whole ass letters in the beginning of all Mario games. Uh, I, I can almost I, I can almost see even Luigi talking if I really imagine it like him being like almost like um uh scooby-doo what's the other guy's name scooby-doo's friend oh i don't know <laughs> uh you don't know scooby-doo's friend no i don't know scooby-doo's friend the guy 
That guy. The dude. The shirt. The guy with the long yeah, the shirt, hair. Anyway, yeah. with the green shirt. Yeah, the green the shirt. He has a green shirt. You're just like, oh my god, guys, look. <laughs> no, but like, just have like that, uh, that kind of uh, that 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 inflection on the voice. But I don't Mario, the guy who goes, oh, here we go. That guy just to go, hey man, it's me. I'm I'm Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mario, man. This is crazy. I'm a plumber and I'm Italian. <laughs> Here's some quips. Um, Here's some quips. Get yo, bring back Bob Hoskins from the dead and have him play Mario. Just do that. Fine. Just, just, just do, just do that instead. I mean, there was rumored stuff going around, like who should have been the, and it was like Josh Gad as Mario. Like that makes a lot more sense. Even Jack Black as Mario, like that makes way more sense. Yeah. Like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Pratt, so cool. Yeah. He's <laughs> so cool. Man, I would rather binge watch the Uncharted movie twelve times in a row Dog. than watch and what kind this of, Mario movie. And what kind of missed opportunity is that they have Luigi and they don't get John Leguizamo to voice Luigi? Why? Why don't you just do what's right? <laughs> Why don't you just do what's right sometimes, Nintendo? No. What you do is right is not make this movie. Yeah, you cancel this. You cancel this. You just you just cancel let Mario be Mario and, and, and you just make money elsewhere. How about make another Mario? Why don't you try that? One of those. Jesus. I'll take one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think. I mean, I, there's just no way where I'm going to see this woman be like, that's my Mario. <laughs> hey, man, it's me, Mario. <laughs> Guess who's Pratt? <laughs> yeah, Yahoo. Here, here we go. Uh, oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Holiday 2022. Um, I that's gonna be I the worst holiday. I have set a reminder on my calendar on my phone to to please forget to stay in bed. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on to happier subjects. Splatoon three. It's so cool. <laughs> yes, it's, it's so cool. Um, Splatsville locale story mode. Uh, teased. Uh, it is the return of mammals, uh, which were you know as part of the lore. They went missing. What the fuck are you talking about? Um, you know, in in the lore of, of Splatoon, uh, you know, basically all mammals and, and humans have disappeared from the earth, and now they're back. So the big story thing is about why. What are they doing back? What do they want? What happened? Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, and I'm not expecting a, a lot from it, but I will say that the. Um, the DLC that came out, the expansion uh, uh, that came out for Splatoon 2 with the story content was actually pretty solid. Um, really clever use of, of the Splatoon formula for, for um, you know, campaign format. So I'm actually kind of excited to play that, to be honest. Um, oh, yeah. New weapons. The Return of Mammals sounds like a Scott Fitzgerald uh, novel. Hey, perhaps. <laughs> guest writer. I don't know. Uh, new, new weapons, new moves. Uh, come, still coming out next year. Um, I need nothing else from this game. I am all in. I love Splatoon. I, yeah. I went and played some of it briefly uh, when I got done watching the direct, and I'm still uh, I'm still in love with it. So I'm all in on this, yeah, man. Uh, good. Are, are you uh, looking forward to this at all? Depends. I if they have a little bit of Chris Pratt in it, mm. it's so cool. <laughs> you know, what no, no, yeah, yeah, I'm in Prattoon. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I gotta yeah. go. Uh, my mom's yeah, calling yeah, you me. Should probably leave. Uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah yeah I yeah of course Splatoon two was awesome. I loved it. I didn't really uh, I didn't really play the single player like all the way through. I enjoyed it for what it was, uh, but the multiplayer shit that shit was it was so unique and so different and so fun. Like they really managed to do a shooter where you don't really shoot shit, you just shoot the ground. 
Yeah. You know, and that's like a perfect shooter for people who are bad at shooters because they shoot the ground yeah. anyway. Uh, and so it's it, it, it's a really fun exp- uh, experience. Uh, and I can't wait for three because, I mean, if it's anything like two, it's going to be fucking great, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's it's totally up my alley. It's a, it's a nice little yeah, yeah. shut your brain off and just have fun kind of game uh, for, for a little while. And it, it fits in perfectly uh, with my gaming yeah. regimen. So I'm hyped. Uh, speaking of hype, last thing on the docket for Nintendo Direct Highlights is... Uh, Homegirl is back. Bayonetta came back to uh, re-reveal herself to the world after uh, being announced, I think, four years ago, I think they said. Um, New gameplay trailer. um, New hairstyle. Her hair hair was bumped. um, Looking right. And... 2022 is when this thing is dropping. Uh, we don't know when in 2022 just yet, but uh, I'm I am happy rumors, to have a release. Rumors, year. Uh, rumors fall. Uh, I'm cool with that. I mean, it yeah. depends on what else is coming out around that, like around that window. If um, like Breath of the Wild 2 comes out around that time, that's that's not going to be the best window for Bayonetta to come out. So I'm hoping it's summer. That'd be nice. Um, yeah. But you know, look, I'm hoping Breath of the Wild 2 summer. That'd be dope. Summer 2023, perhaps. Uh, nah, nah, nah. But, um, listen to me. but listen, man. Bayonetta 3 uh, looked phenomenal. I can't even lie. I Now, here's the thing. They fucked with me a little bit in the teaser in the beginning of that because they showed um, like a dog in costume, and that dog's from Astral Chain. So I, I, yeah. I feel bad saying this, but I was kind of more excited about a new Astral Chain for a second. Um, yeah. And then ended up being Bayonetta, and I was like, Okay, let me see how this looks. And then I, after I watch the gameplay, I'm like, okay, I'm glad it was Bayonetta. Um, it looks like like a Bayonetta ass game, uh, and that is okay. Uh, okay, so it is. It's gonna be obscure. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna be fucking nonsense. But boy, did that shit look good. What do you think? Okay, so I. All right. So everything you say, you're 100 percent correct. You're 100% correct. Bayonetta is fucking amazing. Part one is good. Part two is better. Part three looks like it's going to be absolutely fucking fan-fucking-taxing. However, I'm in this position right now where I'm looking at this and I'm sitting in a room next to a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X. And this next iteration of Bayonetta is going to come out on the Nintendo Switch. This high-octane action game is going to run 30 frames per second. <laughs> it's going to have a 720p if max resolution. Lucky. If we're lucky. And that, to me, is disrespectful to the queen bitch herself. Mm. Bayonetta. I mean, I, I want this game to run 4K 60 frames just like... Uh, just like those high octane action games that Platinum does, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, look, of course, Bayonetta Two is great, but it's a game of its time, you know. And 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 when it came out on the these consoles and PlayStation Four, like they have better graphical output in terms of like fidelity and, and frame rates. This is a this is a place. This is a uh, Switch exclusive because Nintendo literally paid for it. Yes. So it's not coming out on anything else. So we can't get your hopes up. So we all know it's going to be on this system, and that for me is a sad realization. Once I start going through all these games, if it's not a if it's not Mario, if it's not Zelda, if it's not Kirby, if it's a game that should be on a system that can really handle it, like a Bayonetta three. 
that kind of fucks me up a little bit. It makes it a little bit sad because what kind of sacrifices are we going to see to this game where it's not going to be able to run at its high highest potential and that's probably why i think that platinum is struggling because they probably have all these ideas for the game and all these things that they want to do for it but they keep running into the wall that is the the, the nintendo switch and even if the nintendo pro does come out next year whatever the case may be i don't know if the pro is going to be that kind of system that's still going to give bayonetta 3 everything that she deserves in that sense i do hope that bayonetta 3 is a massive hit but I hope it's a massive fit only so we can get Bayonetta 4 on everything. Just like it happened with Bayonetta <laughs> 1 and it happened to Bayonetta 2, right? Yeah. I, I that, that's that's my only concern because this game is not it's not um it's not Kirby and the Lost Land or the Lost It's not that. It's a very specific kind of game. And if you're not gonna if I'm not gonna be able to play this game at a steady 60, okay, fine. At a steady 30. If I with with at the very least when I'm 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 looking at it and it doesn't look like complete horseshit, it's gonna be really hard for me to to fully appreciate Bayonetta three because it's not gonna be at, at its full potential. It's just not. Yeah, I mean I think that you're 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 absolutely right in terms of like yeah I would have loved to play this anywhere but on a Switch. But you know that's not the reality we're in. I think we have to just accept that this is a Nintendo franchise yeah. and that's just not gonna change. Um, I do think that with the exclusivity comes, you know, uh, an understanding on Platinum side, whether they've struggled or not, that we have to yeah. build this game around the uh, limitations of Switch hardware. So they're, yeah. they're not going to, they're probably not going to aim for the stars with, with this game's design. In fact, I think it's probably going to be, at best, it's probably going to be sort of just like Bayonetta 2 in terms of how it looks and, and, and visually and how it's going to run and the type of level design and, and scale will probably be exactly the same. And yeah, that's not bad. It's just, again, you know, ideally, to your point, I'd rather play it in its best possible state anywhere else but here but that's just yeah. not what we're going to have the ability to do so i think i'm just i'm just glad to see that the game is back and it's it's looking good there's no like yeah. oh that came back and it looked a little ass so i think i think i think right, i think they should true. go back home you know um it it looks good so i'm going to give benefit of the doubt that maybe it won't look the greatest Undocked, but as long as it runs nicely, and I'll even take 720p, whatever. Just make sure it runs consistent at whatever frame rate they choose or whatever resolution they choose. If it's gonna be, if it's gonna be on a roller coaster, PP. (laughs) If it's gonna be on a roller coaster, uh, you know, visually and performance-wise, then yeah, it's gonna suck ass. But, um, but I, I saw plenty in that trailer to get me excited, and it's, it's one of my most anticipated games next year. And then you got games like Astral Chain that that, that run really well. It ran really itself. well. So, yeah, yeah, it so great too. Th- this is true. I, I just kind of want. I just kind of want that next. It's always going to be bittersweet. Yeah, because it, it, yeah, because yeah, yeah. to your point, yeah, you want that that next level, but that's just not what we're going to get. So you got to make do. Yeah. Imagine imagine Beta Three as a PlayStation Five or a Series X exclusive. Holy man! Listen, that would be so fire. But it's nice yeah. to want things. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, was that was that Virgil at the end? I want to say I think it is. I think I think we got some crossover action about to happen because yeah, it, it wouldn't have been it, it wouldn't have been spliced that way. It wouldn't have been spliced that yeah. way to to you know hit the the, the 2022 and then show a dude that we don't know. 
You know, like that's got to be somebody that we know. So and and, it, and when you look at the story with the demons and all that, it just it it makes perfect yeah. sense. And I I just can't believe that's never been a thing. Before. Yeah, it, it, I I'm so excited to see how that crossover works if it's true. Because uh, because Devil May Cry, Last Devil Cry was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and it's been a couple years too. I think it came out in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. So it, it's time to see a little something elsewhere with Devil May Cry while we're waiting for the next full on game. And Virgil is my boy, so I'll take it. I'm, I'm all about it. So, uh, but yeah, that wraps up our checkpoint chat for the Nintendo Direct. Uh, Pablo, next week is Tokyo Game Show, so um, you know I, I don't think we're going to be able to cover all the bases as far as when we record. But um, yeah. I'm excited to see what we uh, learn from that event. Uh, we might have some interesting stories to cover. Could maybe maybe not. You know, I, there's never really a lot that comes out of that. Well, but with we'll the see Microsoft because of everything too. That that could be that's right. That's could right. Be some yeah. bombshell. So we'll see what happens. Another thing that I di- we didn't bring up that I forgot to bring up about the whole Microsoft and Crystal Dynamics is what if Microsoft is buying Crystal Dynamics? What if that's kind of like the thing that's happening and it and they're kind of teasing it a little. It's bit. possible. I or at the very least on a trial run, like oh let's see how this works out. Maybe I mean I, I maybe yeah. that you know because the initiative can certainly use the help. Why not just merge into yeah. one and, and keep it that way and, and give Square some yeah. money and so they can keep making Chocobo Crystal, Crystal Initiative. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. All right, man. They're making... They're making... A, 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 A. Oh, man, that's a lot of A's. Ass A. Um, yeah, but we'll keep tabs on all that stuff for you listeners and we will definitely share our thoughts um, when we get some updates on uh, what happens next week. So... Uh, in the meantime, Pablo, we are finally at home stretch. Um, it is the last cooldown countdown. Come on. I got that one. Um, so, Pablo, we are at our number one games of all time, and uh, this what? is a special, special, um, you know, episode for us to finally gush about the game that um, means the most to you and means the most to me. Um, so I want to go ahead and turn it over to you first, and as usual, let's go ahead and run through uh, a summary of your 10 through 2, and then talk to us about yeah. your number one game ever. Yeah, my number 10 is Dark Souls 3, number 9, Celeste, number 8, The Last of Us, number 7, Red Dead Redemption 2, number 6, Super Mario World, number 5, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, number 4, Mass Effect 2, number 3, The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, number 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, and my number one game of all time, which has been my number one game of all time since 1999, uh, is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina Yay. of Time. Now, the, the number one reason why this game is my favorite game of all time is because it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my number 10, Final Fantasy VIII. Number- <laughs> no, no. So, listen, I, I mentioned earlier that Nintendo 64 is the console that really cemented my fandom in video games. Kind of like the reason why my main hobby is video games is because of that console. But really, looking at it a little bit more in detail, it's because of Legend of Zelda, the Ocarina, uh, Ocarina of Time. You know, I had just moved, I think I had just moved away from uh, uh, 704 and Flamingo Place. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a couple, maybe a year after that. Uh, I didn't really have any friends in the area yet. Uh, you know, that I was still new in the area. So I more than ever, I played more games uh, and more isolated. Because I was the type of kid that would go outside a lot, you know, and then play video games, uh, you know, while I was inside, but mostly just be outside. So 
that kind of flipped over when I moved. It became more that I played more video games and I was outside less. Some people might call that a nerd. I call that awesome. Um, and so I kind of wanted uh, this game that I had seen in magazines. And at this point in my life, I still hadn't played uh, the other Zelda games. Uh, I might have played a little bit of Link in Time, but I really wasn't gathering in my head as to what this was in terms of the lineage of the, of the franchise. Um, and so, me and my brother, we picked some games, and my mother told me on the contingent that this was only a game that she was buying based on the fact that if I got good grades in school. And because I was such a great student, I got terrible grades. Uh, <laughs> he was, and he was so, horrible. Yeah. And so, Christmas Day comes, I wasn't, you know, my mom was really, and my dad, too, were re- usually they would say some, some shit like that and still gave me a game. But they were really adamant. They were like, you're not getting anything. You know, we'll get you what you, we think you want. Whatever. Anyway, I opened this box. It's a huge box. And it's a ceiling fan. <laughs> Except it's not. You know? Uh, I opened the box. And it's, you know, and it's 1080 snowboarding. Which is dope. That's cool. But then the gold box comes out. And it's The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I scream, I rejoice, I, I I, always loved, I always enjoyed video games, I enjoyed them more playing them with Marco, that kind of like you co-op yeah. experience with friends, I always enjoyed it more, I very, very rarely would play Super Mario World unless Fernando, which is my brother, watched me, or played the two player, which is then I would take away his control and play his uh, Luigi anyway, because, you know, fuck him, he's terrible <laughs> at that game. Uh, but anyway, Ocarina really is the moment where I really started to love video games as a single player experience. Uh, I think it cemented that love for the franchise, for sure, but it really cemented my love for video games in a way that I'll never forget. Uh, you know, and for me, it doesn't just represent like my favorite video game. It also represents a moment in time. It represents uh, that that moment, that Christmas, for whatever reason, and and maybe it was because of, of Zelda, or maybe because we just moved into this new place, not too far from where we used to live, but far enough where we got closer as a family, especially my brothers and my sisters, because all we had at that moment, because we had moved into this place where there was not a lot of people around us, a new house, but not a lot of houses yeah. around us. And so me and my me and my family we got closer in that way. And so I remember playing this game, and my whole family watching me play. They, my, my dad don't give a fuck about mm-hmm. games, like my mom either. But because of how excited I was about this game and how like appreciative I was that my mom got me this game, I sat down and I can. The opening hours of Ocarina of Time was literally me sitting down and my whole family watching me play this game that I was so happy to play, and it it just it hit every moment that I played the game it was like the best thing I've ever played and it and, and to a certain extent it almost it still feels that way even though when I play great games like The Last of Us a lot of the games that are on my list that are fantastic games I always think about the time that I played Ocarina of Time and no I've never had any experience that has come close to that and I'm not talking about emotionality or things about story that that are so so great and, and again a game like The Last of Us and a game like even uh, God of War from a couple of years ago but just as a whole experience, as a video gaming experience, that moment just kind of, it, it stands it stands still in time for me. And it's really, Ocarina of Time doesn't represent just my favorite game of all time, but it represents my family, my brother, mm. and just all of that encapsulated uh, into one. And that's, and that's kind of why I, I love the game so much. And then, obviously, the fact that uh, 
it's one of the best crafted games for me of all time. I mean, from the onset, from walking up to the Deku Tree, the dungeon, the dungeon structure, then leaving Kikuro Forest and that shit opening up, and it's like literally in my time, in my head, I can go anywhere, yeah. even though that game is very limited to yeah, where you go, yeah. but still... In 1999, sitting there playing that game, I can go anywhere. I can do anything, and it it felt like that. It felt like this had no the game was had no boundaries. It took storytelling for me at that point to another level, where it implemented time travel. It not only showed the growth of a kid from this shy kid living in a uh, kind of isolated area, but also to the hero of time by literally watching him grow up to the be the hero of time forcefully or not but and, and just kind of going through that whole game and and seeing that 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 whole change in him and and then at the very end defeating ganondorf in that epic fight it's it is just for me a game like no other and I, there will never be a game and i can say that with confidence there will never be a game that's going to be as big or as good and as great for me because of everything that Ocarina of Time represents. And that's it. That's my that's my favorite game of all time. Legend of Zelda, the Ocarina of Time. Right. Or if you say Ocarina, I don't want to be your friends. Don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> we, have, we have drawn the line <laughs> in the sand way too much in this episode. Um, now, look, we, we're going a little long because, you know, these games deserve, you know, a little bit more time uh, to talk through. So I, I got two questions for you before we move on to mine. Um, question number yeah. one is if Ocarina of Time never existed, how would the industry, or how would games be, be different today, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I don't, see, I don't know, because I don't know, um, I don't know if developers would have eventually figured it out somewhere mm-hmm. else. Um, all I know is that it came first in a lot of ways with Zelda, but, I mean, if you take away a lot of the factors of what made Zelda great, you're really gonna start looking at games from now and and taking those opening moments and then slowly opening the the, the 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 story for you, then opening the world for you. Those those moments like that 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 happen and they happen so and it just it just makes like even The Last of Us. We look at The Last of Us the way that game opens and then you know it opens up a little bit. It's not an open world game, but just like the that 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 short that uh, that front part of the game where it kind of tells you everything the game is right. And then it opens it up to you to play the way you want it, or kind of experience the story that they're that they've crafted for you. It, it's it's just it's 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 a moment in time, and I think that they've never been able to repeat it, even with Breath of the Wild, um, where Breath of the Wild is in many ways this generation's Ocarina of Time, but it lacks in its story, which is an integral part of Ocarina of Time. It is the best part of Ocarina of Time in many ways, in many forms. So, it just, I don't feel it, I don't feel that there's a game, and you know, you may have your differing opinion, this is just my opinion, but I don't think there's a game that's been as important to video games as a whole than Ocarina of Time. Hmm. You know, uh, that's just kind of where I say, because I mean, you, you got everything, that, everything that's, that people talk about as being the best game ever comes after, like, in terms of like the open world stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, with, with Metal Gear, uh, not Metal Gear, but um, Grand Theft Auto Three, and uh, that came after uh, uh, of uh, yeah, yeah. time. So it's just things like that. Just I feel like it all grew from there. I mean, I, okay. you look at a lot of people who develop games, and they when they talk about their games, they specifically talk about Ocarina of Time and, and what uh, what they did. Mm. So you know, that's kind of that's that's my feeling okay. on that. And, and last question that you you recalled a lot of like uh, you know moments from that game but what is your favorite 
Ocarina of Time moment. Um, I think my favorite moment is when you get to the Seven Sages and you pull the sword of time. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you are, because I, I didn't know that. And then all of a sudden you're the grown-up mm-hmm. Link and you're like, the fuck? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? I think that, that moment stands out. And also, the opening of the game, when you walk out and it's like this whole open world that tells you go to the castle which is it's on the other side it's gonna take me minutes <laughs> to get there you know yeah that kind of stuff is it, it, it just really just so, blew me away as a kid yeah right, man yeah, yeah that's that I, I knew you were, I knew that was gonna be your pick forever ago because yeah, yeah. like you said it's been your favorite game of all time for oh, all time yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah, awesome yeah. pick um, my turn um, so to recount my list real quick before I get to my number one I've got number 10 as Final Fantasy VIII. Number nine is Persona 5. Number eight is Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. Number seven is Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. Number six is The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. Number five is Mass Effect 2. Number four is Final Fantasy 7. Number three is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Number two is The Last of Us. And my number one favorite video game of all the times is... Metal Gear Solid. So this should have came as no surprise having, you know, two other Metal Gears on my list. Uh, <laughs> kind of tells you something. Um, look, I mean, for me, it, it all started with the PlayStation Underground Jam Pack Winter 98, uh, which featured a demo that uh, both con- confused <laughs> and amazed uh, 13-year-old me. Um, because it wasn't a brawler, it wasn't a platformer, it wasn't some shooter type of thing or a racing game like other games uh, that were successful back then. It was a game that was based on stealth, uh, tact, patience, and a lot of talking. Um, it was a weird game with a, with a weird-ass name, too. And weirdly enough, I fell in love with all of it, and I played that demo, and even you did, uh, dozens and dozens oh, yeah. and dozens of times before my uh, my parents eventually tucked the full game under the Christmas tree that year. When I opened it and I saw that logo glistening, I froze. I stared euphorically at that at that case, and I smiled and gasped in a way that made my parents go, "Oh, this is kind of a different thing for him." Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it at the time, but I was holding a part of my future that morning, a major part of me, because um, I have no doubt in my mind that if I never played Metal Gear Solid, gaming would have become that thing that I used to do back then. It would have been, it would have been yeah. the, the childhood hobby that I grew out of, because I, I never would have known of all the amazing things gaming would ever be. I would have just laughed at the thought of a game having a gripping story or a game that can dazzle me with the tiniest of details, such as a boss that can read my mind, uh, a codec number that I had to find on the actual case, a key card with three forms based on the temperature, um, guards tracking your footprints in the snow, or finding an OG PlayStation on the desk in the room where you fight a cyborg ninja. Um, in In a way... Metal Gear Solid proved that games were finally growing up. And the benefit to that was it was growing up just as I was growing up. Um, So the game delivered. 
um, between Solid Snake, Otacon, Merrill, Campbell, and, and even Mei Ling, uh, I had the incredible cast of good guys on my side. And on the other, I had Vulcan Raven, Sniper Wolf, Psycho Mantis, Revolver Ocelot, Cyborg Ninja, and a dangerous twin um, that made the most formidable fights and impassioned exchanges of dialogue that I had ever seen up to that point. Um, there were plot twists, there were mysteries, there was melodrama, suspense, cinematic flair, and inner conflict, too. Um, and it was all coupled with incredible voice acting, amazing music and atmosphere, had social commentary, government conspiracy, yep. sibling rivalry, it had cardboard boxes. Uh, it, <laughs> it had it all. Um, there are games that are masterpieces of the usual. And then there's Metal Gear Solid, which is a masterpiece of the unusual. Um, it's one of gaming's all-time greatest influencers and disruptors, and to me, it's the best game of all time, man. So, Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I, this was a no-brainer for me from the start. There was never a game that was really ever in contention with Metal Gear. Even though I, you know, I said last time that The Last of Us is, I think it's the pinnacle for me of gaming and what it's become. I, I don't think games like that would be possible if there wasn't a game like Metal Gear. So, yeah, I I think you know with games like this, it's like you have the game that started it all is usually going to be your favorite game of mm-hmm. all time, uh, and then a game like for you like The Last of Us uh, is kind of like the game that's like halfway through your life and you're like checkpoint. Yep, I'm still video games are still fucking yes. dope. And then I I think we'll have one more mm-hmm. down the line that's going to be kind of like the this is the last game that I've probably played, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if I'll be playing games to my 70s or 80s, but I, all I know is that there's going to be that one game where I can really pinpoint that my favorite game of all time was the game that started it all. The checkpoint, that, you know, this it, game's still mm-hmm. dope. Fuck yes. And then the game that ends ends it all, uh, you know. I, that's great, man. Yeah. That's uh that's our list. So um, you know we will uh, obviously let you guys know what our la- what our upcoming cool down segment will be now that we've uh, made it through this list. But uh, in the meantime, that's going to wrap up this week's show. Uh, so thanks for sticking around to the end of the episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Until uh, next time, please be sure to give our podcast a sub uh, wherever you stream stuff and follow us at Cooldown Time Pod on Twitter and Cooldown Time Podcast on Instagram so that our toxic ass opinions will always be in your FOV. You are welcome, and we'll see you next time.